Boom, wishy-washy woo. Welcome to Nashcast Woo. Nothing but me, Sean, and women. That was, uh, <laughs> yeah. But, hey. uh, yeah, I was, I was good odds if you're single. <laughs> we don't need no control. Something to nod your head to, knock back a whiskey, and let the strippers strip. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nash, can you go first? I need to think. Sure. sure. <laughs> right now? Well, if, you, if you guys want, <laughs> I'll go first because I've already got mine. Okay, yeah, um, I think I've got... <laughs> Back that let me make this clear, right? Because <laughs> I don't like her anymore. When she went all deep, really? uh, yeah, fuck that. Hey, because my dad was a professional flute player, which I've always thought is I can appreciate the flute, but I, I think it's fucking irritating. <laughs> <laughs> Only because I used to sit in my room and all I could do was a fucking flute being played for like right? six hours a day. Welcome to this episode 63 of this here Nashcast podcast. My RT unit, Sean, is not available. Unfortunately, for the first time in so, so long, I've actually forgotten the last time he was not available. But instead, we have the man behind the soundtrack for this podcast, Adam. Sup? How's it going, Long Nuts? (laughs) (laughs) All good. (laughs) And the returning Nashcast, a man who knows his shit when it comes to well, the apocalypse and music, Mr. Chase Walton. Yeah, I hopefully know a thing or two about music. Dude, you know <laughs> you know more shit than I do, so that that's got to count for something. So, yeah. Well, how's how's everybody doing? Oh, I've been doing excellent. Um, chilling out for the most part since I'm out of work for right now. Yeah, uh, so fun. yeah, my days are pretty uneventful. Yeah. Probably chill and listen to lots of music then, right? And podcasts. Uh, yeah, playing some video games. That's what I love that. That sounds like a good day. Yeah. <laughs> Every day. Yeah. That sounds like a good day. <laughs> yeah, actually, just before uh, we started this, I was listening to uh, what I call the Division Bell sessions from Pink Floyd. It's a back-to-back uh, 
of the Division Bell and then their release from last year called The Endless River. Oh, dude. You're a big Floyd fan. Sort of. Um, I'm more of a post-Roger Waters mm. Floyd era fan. Um, there are some stuff from when Roger Waters was around that I dig. Um, probably one of the most influential on me would have been The Wall. But yeah, yeah as far as like the overall sound and whatnot, I, I dig the post-Roger Waters era, really. That new album was good though. I did. I've 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 only heard a few songs off Endless River. Um, I don't even know if there were any signal um, singles off the album that they released. But I remember Skins was a uh-huh. good track off it, and um, I think there's a song called Some. I'm sure uh-huh. that was on the album as well. But yeah, it was good. But I'm not a massive Floyd fan, but I I can appreciate a good band when you can hear one, man. Definitely right, influential. The, right. The nice thing about the Endless River is it's pretty much all instrumental until the very last track then that one actually has vocals on it. But it's really, yeah, well, it's designed as it was intended to be a tribute to Rick White and his keyboard playing and his influence on the band. And it really shines and shows out in that album. Yeah. 100%. Agreed. (laughs) (laughs) So... Yeah, so in this episode, we're talking music, if people have not already uh, figured that out. Plus, I did say it a few seconds ago. Um, we've been talking about this for a while, ever since the uh, the, the last podcast. I think, well, Chase, it was you originally that came up to us and said, hey, bitch, I want to talk about music. Yeah. And I was like, all right. <laughs> the subject very dear to my heart. Yeah, and I think, um, I think it probably has. It's got to have been for like most people, apart from those who have like never experienced music in their entire lives. But to anybody who has, it's got to have been at some point, right? Yeah. There's always been a moment where just one song. So even people who are just like, oh, I hate music, I think they, they lie. So yeah. It's I've... just, it's not that they hate music, it's they are more tunneled visioned, I think, into what they like. So when they say mm. they don't like music, it's a lie. I mean, everybody listens to something they like. Yeah. I just can't believe there's people actually out there that straight up don't like music. I mean, I'm sure they exist, but it would literally blow my mind if I met somebody like that. Mm. Yeah, I, I I agree with that. It's weird. I can't imagine um, people that don't. Um, I mean, I think right. you get people that live and breathe music. You get people that just kind of enjoy music. And just, yeah, I haven't come across many people that have lived literally been like i don't you know bands you like and they're just like i oh, don't really don't really care i'm not really into music yeah i've not really met many people like that but you do get a few and it's just like i can't fathom that thought it's just mm. i'd be lost yeah. without music yeah i think right. um i always find that it's uh normally it's like one extreme to the other like you guys said very very few people that say oh no i hate music altogether but it's always if you ask somebody about it it's either they don't listen to music because they're not really into anything or they just, they like a bit of everything. I hate that. Right. When you say, oh, what kind of music are you into? And like, oh, I like a bit of everything. It's such a generic fucking answer. It's just like, give me specifics, details, I wish band I names, a bit songs. of everything. I like a lot of everything. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, I mean, you're, uh, you're, you, you certainly are an exception because you do, you are one that's literally that listens to everything. But I have had so many conversations where people said, oh yeah, I listen to a bit of everything and, when I like press for specifics and start mentioning bands and things like that, they have no idea what I'm talking about. 
So it just seems like they just gave an answer that would just, in theory, maybe shut people up like me. So I don't know. Right. Well, I think Adam would probably agree with me how I brought in my music um, interest is I actually go in and read the linear notes of CDs and see who the guest musicians are on them and check them out. And that may lead me down a totally different road of a musical interest that I really never thought I'd be into. Nice, man. I think, and I think it's always good to have a, a wide spectrum and like a, an eclectic, different kind of eclectic taste in music. There's so many different styles of music that I love. Um, right. It's not pigeonholed to like one genre. It's, it's like from, I could literally go from classical to some pretty heavy shit there's like and low and a million stuff in between there's nothing right. i don't think there's a type of music that i don't really like um apart from really some like really heavy um kind of dancey stuff but even a lot of dance right. music i love there's there's you know it's good to have a wide range of tastes i think <laughs> justin <Right>. bieber <laughs> yeah fuck no, <laughs> for yeah, me it's, it's uh kind of the same thing um i'm not really into the whole electronic dance music shit because it's just like way too much bass and oh. just way too much pounding in my head um i do like good dance music as well um classical i'm open to because i do like the classics uh beethoven brahms and whatnot um Probably one of my favorite though is Vivaldi and his Four Seasons Suite. That's just oh yeah, an amazing piece of music to me. Mm. I love a bit of classical jazz and opera though. I cannot deal with how jazz is so technical. unstructured. <laughs> you could call it technical. I call it unstructured, <laughs> where everybody's doing their own thing, and it's like. What the fuck is going on with you guys? Jazz. Opera. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Opera. I just, I've listened to several opera pieces. Not big on it. Musicals, uh, like show, t show, Broadway shows. Those <laughs> I can have an appreciation for. Um, Phantom of the Opera, I dug. Hmm. And Miserables was really an excellent musical. So yeah. I, I, I could do musicals, just not opera and jazz. Okay, that's the only two genres then off the table. Right? All right, cool. Fair enough. Adam. That still leaves us with a shit ton. It does. Oh, <laughs> uh, no kidding. All right, Adam, how do you want to play this? Do you want to like throw your questions out there now or... Um... Yeah, I've got loads of stuff to cover. I'd be interested to say, just going around the table, um, if you guys can think back, mm -hmm. um, your first ever gig. Oh, yeah, easy. And I've got mine to start off, which was, what? I've mentioned this many a time, but this is like probably just in terms of I was only 16 and like this is the first live musician that I'd ever seen and it just, but it hasn't been topped to this day, but it was Wembley Stadium, oh, yeah. 1997, Michael Jackson history tour. Wow. That was nice. my first gig. <laughs> and your last right. gig, to be fair, because <laughs> nothing's ever going to top that. Mine well, was actually when I was probably, shit, 
12, 13, maybe 14, I went to this uh, doo-wop classics uh, concert where they had all the old school 50s doo-wop groups performing. And it was just, that got me into doo-wop actually, was nice. going to that concert. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they had like Sha Na Na, uh, Del Shannon, just all the old doo-wop people. It was really cool. But yeah, that was, so yeah, that was my first gig and it's, yeah, I don't know, I wasn't really allowed to go to gigs when I was too young, but I remember once I hit 16, my friend was like, we're going to go see MJ, and I'd I'd watched MJ, like, religiously since, like, the age of seven, and I knew, like, every song, and just, when you kind of watch old mj like when you're growing up you see the mu- the videos and stuff and you see people fainting and like how not i was like it's not going to be like this this is completely <laughs> overblown surely it was fucking exactly like that <laughs> i spent what? half of the gig passing chicks and guys over my head people fa- oh, it was just insane wow. absolutely insane i'll never forget that just because well it was mj it been close up front then oh, we got really close to the front at wembley um and yeah, that's yeah, that's to this day still going to be very hard to top. Over on your guys' side of the pond, do they have a sign sitting, or is it GA general admission? You get wherever you can get to. Uh, different venues have um, different kind of structures. So you, we've got venues with seated planning where you have a specific seat, and then you'll have right. a standing section where it's a free for all. Um, something like Wembley Stadium is pretty much. It's mainly eighty percent standing, so everyone just you get in there and you you just fucking run. Right. Um, they um, used to have that over here, you. Um, but and I'm sure you guys are probably aware of the issues with the Who and the Rolling Stones coming over here in the late seventies and trampling and. Right. So pretty much ever since then, it's all been for the most part uh, assigned seating. It's like here's your seat. Don't verify okay <laughs> yeah i mean yeah it is quite structured a lot of venues in london it's it is seated and stuff but standing is yeah free fall you just you queue early and you get to the front you go nuts yeah they don't have freestanding over here at all really yeah it's wow. it you buy a ticket you get a seat number and that is it that's what I would like over here a bit more, I think. Organization, structure. I love sitting, yeah, don't get me wrong, I think sitting down for that stuff is cool, but that's weird. I didn't think you guys didn't have any standing, because sitting down's cool and stuff, but obviously you can't... Well, you can stand, down. but you can't vary from your assigned seating area. You can't, you can't like just rush up to the show, front of the show, and just start dancing and shit. No, if you're going to dance, you're dancing where your assigned seating is. Hmm. Fair enough. And it, it, it kind of sucks. I mean, at some venues, um, like back in 87? 87 or 88, I went to see Motley Crue's uh, Girls, Girls, oh, Girls Tour. Love and, Motley Crue. Son of a bitch. Yeah. And the great thing about that concert is on the ticket, all it said was Motley Crue with special guest. Well, the special guest happened to be Guns N' Roses promoting their Appetite for Destruction show. No and shit. They, wow. Yeah, they allowed a little moshing up there at the front for them. I mean, they to me, Guns N' Roses was by far the better act. I mean, yeah, Motley Crue had a good show, <clears throat> and yes, they rock, but Guns N' Roses that night was the far better band. Yeah, man. 
That's amazing. Yeah, see, yeah, I just, uh, yeah, you've got <coughs> to see some cool shit, obviously, because you're slightly older than us. I mean, I would have loved... Just. <laughs> oh, how, yeah, how old are you, dude? Uh, I am 45, good sir. Yeah, so you've got 10 years of me. I wish... <laughs> when, I was... when I go back and edit, do you want me to bleep that out? <laughs> no, that's fucking great. No, not at all. I'm, I'm like, really people, envious. People, I would have loved... Keep people guessing, you know? <laughs> well, I, I look good for 45 when I shave. Dude, you do hair. look good for 45, i got to say. Um, I'm... I, I look like a mess. I look like your age now, and I'm not anywhere near that. <laughs> <clears throat> so what was uh, your first gig there, Scott? <clears throat> Mine was back in circa 1999, maybe 2000. I was... Bay City Rollers? Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> no, I was never... Um, I was never um, particularly big with a lot of kind of music from a very young age, which I'm sure we'll get into a bit later on. It was more predominantly soundtracks that I was into. Right. But I had um, some stuff when I was younger that I did listen to. Uh, a lot of it was influenced by uh, growing up and listening to the music that my parents used to listen to, which back in the day is like how it used to work. Not now, because now everybody, a, a baby's born and they've got an iPad and access to like everything. Yeah. So but back in the day, you only knew what you overheard through other people. Uh, right. In which case, parents, etc. And um, yeah, in school, there was some stuff I listened to, some really, really embarrassing stuff that I used to listen to. Which I'm Such again. as? Well, we'll get, back, we'll get into that in a minute because I think oh, I might you, put, one, <laughs> I might put one of them on Adam's <laughs> questions. But yeah, my first band, um, when I was like uh, in, in my late teens stuff, after school and college and stuff, um, a couple of my friends tried to get me into um going to see bands and stuff and whilst a couple of them turned out to be successful and i enjoyed the music um i i've never been particularly fond of the atmosphere there's only been two gigs i've ever been to out of like maybe four that have been really good because normally it's like i hate to sound old or like someone else i'm not gonna mention his name but um like you normally it's too loud and uh uh like the the bass is too much i hate that like the vibration like going through my body it feels horrible and you know they make these things called uh earplugs that help dampen that sound and yeah, but then, uh, like, still be able to enjoy it I, I don't get like what the point of going for that i know it's not just that but it's just like i i don't understand i, I when i go i see people i give you an example early days of the podcast we start we, we podcasted with a guy called gareth you know, I still know, and I'm going to get him back at some point. He is a lover of his music. He is like kind of like you guys, and super passionate about it. Right. To the point that he will be at the stage in front of the singer, dancing away, and he doesn't care if he looks like an idiot. And I look at that, and I'm like, wow, that man's got some passion now. I wish I could just do that and like not worry about looking like an idiot, but I don't, and I don't right. have that passion, so. Um, You're dodging the question, sir. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah, the first gig. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, a friend of mine from school, he's just like, oh, yeah, let's go see this rock band. Um, I think they'd been around for a while anyway, but it was Lacuna Coil. And yeah. they were... Excellent. They did a, um, yeah, they did a thing in Reading, which, like, literally half an hour, 20-minute train journey from here. Uh, I, I knew nothing about this band and stuff. I knew of like rock and stuff, but I at, the, right. at this point I was completely out of date with 
modern sort of music and he guaranteed a good good time and i was like yeah yeah whatever but i'll go along anyway when uh i can't remember for life of me who did the 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 starting sets or whatever they're called uh, mm-hmm. the, um but yeah when the kind of coil came on oh my god loved it absolutely loved what? it still a fan of today in fact for the last like couple of days it's like i've been listening to that just at work just like there, you know, uh, you got gone to YouTube. I was been like looking at the Coil playlist or whatever band right. I want to listen to. But for the last few days, it's been them because their music's just so easy to listen to. And in the background, it's quite nice. And I can just hammer away at my work or other right. things. And yeah. Yeah. That was my first gig. Loved it. Cool. Love them. What about yours, dude? Uh, mine? Like I said, it was a uh, multi artist uh, yeah, doo wop concert. The Guns and Roses. And uh, uh, like I said, it had Sha Na Na, Del Shannon, oh, yeah, yeah. just really a who's who of doo-wop. It was... That was your first ever gig then, yeah? The doo-wop one then? Yeah. Wow. That was, I was... Shit. 14, 15, maybe? <laughs> so you're... I fucking envy you, because your age, like, when you were, like, 16, 17... That's like back when music was good. Yeah, so... Right? <laughs> You would have like, oh man, like if I'd if I put like ten years on myself, that means like eighty five, eighty six, some of the bands and gigs I could have seen then, I I should I should have been seventeen right. in the eighties, hundred percent. I'm pissed. The, the, the oddest tour I saw was um on uh, Motley Crue when they did their theater of pain. They briefly did um uh, uh tour section with striper which if you're not familiar with striper is a christian heavy metal band and the name of the tour was the heaven and hell tour and that was an excellent tour because at the time i was quote unquote christian so i tried to get into the christian heavy metal scene and what they had on the rock scene and really it was just bullshit compared to what there's secular music um but Striper was one of the few bands that I actually got into, and that was an odd concert because Striper was the opening act. And at that time in their career, when they were on stage, they threw Bibles out into the audience. Now, obviously, most of the audience isn't really there to see. You can only imagine what happened to the Bibles. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that, that was a pretty weird concert. That's weird. I've never actually heard of them. I have to check them out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Striper really. I mean, for a Christian metal band, they're not all that bad. I mean, it even sounds though... kind of like um, I want to say unorthodox, but I don't know if that's the right word. But like a Christian heavy metal band. That right. that and that, that that phrasing doesn't go hand in hand at all. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, oxymoron. Yeah, it does not go hand in hand at all. Choir, sure. Band, sure. Pop band, maybe. Yeah. Heavy metal. Whoa. <laughs> that just yeah. like I mean, full respect for them for the, for, for that. But yeah, that just doesn't seem to go at all. I do it, think I've. I think it's great. Heavy yeah. metal doesn't. People I, have like misconceptions about heavy metal. It's like really dark yeah. and satanic, and it's not. Yeah. At all. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. just heavy music. Yeah. Like uh, one of my favorite metal bands is Iron Maiden, and the thing I love most about Iron Maiden is their shit tells an actual story, and very little of it is actually dark and twisted. 
if you actually listen to the lyrics, they're telling you an actual story. And yeah, it's very theatrical, what... and it's just the whole imagery with I Maiden and the whole Eddie mascot thing. People think it's really dark, and but it's not at all. It's just, yeah, it's just cool. <laughs> yeah, it's an excellent show. I finally got to see Iron Maiden maybe three years ago now. Uh, my wife for my birthday, they were coming here on their Final Frontier tour, and scored us tickets up in Tampa and. We went up and got to see him live for the first time ever. Most excellent concert. Uh, I do regret not taking my ear protection because I had ear protection purchased. Just left it here. Oh, dear. <laughs> but one of the great things is there was a lot of fathers there with their kids, not just their sons, but their daughters that were just rocking the house. Nice. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> it was good to see that generational gap being bridged as a, you know, this is going to be one of the hallmarks of heavy metal right here. Awesome. Awesome. I got nothing that beats that. One of my questions for you guys is what is the best concert ever that you've been to? Now, we already heard from Scott that his uh, was Lacuna Coil, but how about you there, Adam? Best ever gig. It's still got to be MJ. That's really? my first ever gig, but I still, I, I still think it's probably my favorite gig. See, I'm torn between two now. Really? <laughs> Thinking about it. Yeah. Well, because like I said, I've only been to, um, I've only been to a few gigs, and they weren't particularly massive venues like Wembley fucking stadium, like Adam over there. But right. um, yeah, first gig I ever saw was the Coil. There was a few in between. It's possible I might have drunk those memories away, or they were just that bad. I forgot. I can't remember. But right. um, did go see a couple of years back with Sean. Went to go see um, Christian Kane, and he. At least you didn't say One Direction. <laughs> yeah, I should have said that just to wind you up. <laughs> no, I saw uh, Christian Kane, and I knew him from like TV at the time. And Sean came to me and. Uh, he rolled up to me in his little RT suit and he was just like, hey, do you want to go see him? And I was like, well, yeah, but what's he going to do? And he said, oh, he's he sings. He's in part of a band. And I was like, what kind of band? And he said, oh, it's whole like country slash country rock sort of stuff. And I was like, damn. Okay, so kind of like the Eagles. And I was like, how have I not heard of this? How did I not know he was doing it? Because I, I followed his work as, a, as an actor and I'm like, I think he's amazing. So, yeah, we... Um, I, I I caught up on like uh, the songs and stuff that he did on YouTube and and other things and like loved his album, so yeah we went to London and um, it was a really really small venue but like packed with nothing but me Sean and women. That oh. was <laughs> yeah, but hey. uh, yeah I was I was those are good odds if you're single. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and somehow Sean did not score. I don't know what happened. Uh, probably because he just like he spent it all with a. He was there to appreciate the music and see Christian Kane rather than try and get a quick lay or something. So, which is right. cool. So, respect to him for having that respect for for Christian Kane. But yeah, again, like the country music side of it, I love that because same as some of the other genres that I like, it's a kind of music of one, not the cheesy country, but good kind of country rock. It's right. it's catchy. Um, and they can keep their clothes on. They don't have to get naked to sell their shit. Right. <laughs> and uh, 
And yeah, and, and there's talent there because normally, like, well, most of the people that I've like listened to, they tend to write their own stuff and right. just get on and do it. There's none of this like publishing bullshit of like, oh well, let's shoot the music video, but let's get you completely naked doing it. They're right. like, no. <laughs> so yeah, and so and I must admit that, and because it was such a small venue as well, it did feel a lot more personal than being in like a place where there was like, you know, a few hundred people. So. Lacuna Coil was great because it was my first gig, but Christian came was not. And we had like good um, uh, positions where we were as well. That we were kind of we were only like a few meters away, really, and it wasn't Whoa. and it wasn't too loud either. So I like thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, and yeah, that's a problem with a lot of bands if they're playing like a smaller club or venue. They still tend to think that they're in, you know, a coliseum <laughs> yeah. or a stadium, and they don't adjust <clears throat> that volume quite right to where it's oh, like, holy fuck! Definitely. Well, earlier on when I mentioned Gareth, um, the gig that we went to that is where Adam lives. I don't know who it was that we went to see, but they were coming over, and they said, "Oh, by the way, we're coming over to see these people there. Do you want to come?" And so me and Stace. We were like, well, yeah, sure. Why not? We yeah, can sure. catch up, have a couple of beers, and then like get on with the music. But and like I said, Adam was not Adam. Sorry, you're Adam. Um, <laughs> Gareth was right up at the front of the stage, just like dancing like nuts. And I, we, we were all like uh, in a group, so we were with him, and it was too loud. Just like couldn't. Well, we could hear like obviously the music, but we couldn't hear anything of the songs. And even when I went back to the other side of the floor to where the the bar was to get beers and stuff still couldn't hear anything they did and i kind of got the feeling they'd not um tested the the, the sound quality or, or something right or they just i know they figured that it'd be okay or or maybe that's just what it was supposed to be like where you just right. literally just hear the music and and that's it the singer's just for show <laughs> but i don't know i i don't know how it all sort of works but yeah that wasn't very memorable and Actually, the, the the most memorable part of that moment was the fact that Gareth was so nuts with his dancing that at one point he accidentally knocked the uh, the microphone stand and it hit the singer in the face nice. <laughs> during a song. <laughs> and but like a pro, she carried on and he kind of like um, slowed down the dancing bit after that. And then when the song was finished. I I could, I've never seen anybody be so apologetic in my life. <laughs> He really was, but, but the chick was awesome. She was just like, look, don't worry about it. She was just happy that he was having a good time and rocking out because not many other people right. were. Um, so I was just like, yeah, fair play, but yeah, shit happens sometimes, I guess. Right. So that's pretty much the only two gigs that I kind of vaguely remember. So, What was your favorite gig, dude? Uh, for me, it was uh, Tom Petty on his Full Moon Fever tour. It was oh. released just after they did the Traveling Wilburys Volume One, um, and yeah, the the stage it was very low key in a kind of hippieish kind of way. Um, he when he did a "Don't Come Around Here No More," he brought mm. out what he called the psychedelic dragon. Uh, so yeah, that that show was a blast. It was just really incredible. It was. Not a lot of showmanship as far as stage flair, but as far as like the mood and the chill and everything, yeah, it was the most excellent one. Um, other than that, I'd have to say 
probably oh, Lady that's... Smith Black Mombazu. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. I have a buddy that managed to score a pair of tickets to them back in 94, 95. And he asked me if I wanted to go. And I was familiar with them from a Paul Simon's Graceland LP, so I knew who they were. Just never heard them do their own shit. So I was like, yeah, I'll go. Um, and for those not familiar with Lady Smith, Black Mom, Bazoo, um, they're, yeah, they're an African acapella group um, that if you just want to listen to something that will really chill you out and just make you feel good, uh, it's excellent. Now I'm gonna go ahead and throw it out there that it all is pretty much in their native language, uh, so you're probably not gonna understand jack of what they're saying. But it's just the the rhythmic harmonies, um, just really excellent. Nice man. Catch up at that guys, right? Right. <clears throat> yeah, I, I'm familiar with them. I was I'm kind of like uh, torn between them because I um. I, I when I first like sort of heard some of their music, I really kind of liked it. I was like, I can't even though I knew nothing about it. Like you said, it's just like right. the, the rhythmic tones and stuff. You hear it, it's soothing. You're like, yeah, that's kind of cool. Again, good background noise stuff if you're if you're busy doing something. And then they did come over here uh, quite a few years ago, and my parents actually went to see them, and they came back quite disappointed. They said that. Uh, I don't know why, but like their expectations of basically like what they'd heard on previous albums, they thought it was going to be similar to that. But apparently they were doing something completely different and new and they were like, yeah, it didn't work at all. But, um, right. See, I, I was fortunate enough to get to see them really in their early days. And when... I, yeah. I, I kind of get the impression from what I've heard. That was when they were kind of at their best, really. Yeah. I don't they know. Some... I, mean, I don't know them, but <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah, they... They really, if you want a good idea of what they really sound like, um, fuck, you're gonna have to give me a moment to open up my tight, uh, <laughs> iTunes, but I want to say it's called The Best of Lady Smith Black Mombazu. Um, and it was out before I went to that concert, so I'm gonna say it probably came out in 92, 93, but that will give you a really good impression of what they sound like. Um, them pretty much in their tightest um, formation I've heard yet. Um, they did one where it was like them with a bunch of guest stars where they incorporated music and uh, other artists into their um, music and that really didn't work out real well or at least I wasn't um, that impressed with it. You weren't sold on that. <laughs> not at all. Uh, if you gentlemen do not mind giving me a moment and we'll take a commercial break, I need to go refill my pint real quick. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> all right. I appreciate it. I'll be right back. refill, dude. <laughs> what up? This is Jason Mewes, and you're listening to Nashcast up in this piece. Snoots to the dude. And I'm back, gentlemen. Hey, and we're back. All righty. <laughs> I got a new question. A new sure. question, sir. All right. This one. I don't know if you guys have pre-prepared this. It might take a bit of thought, but I want, I have a list here. I've got a top five that I've written down. Um, most listened to albums whilst growing up. 
Okay. Oh, you told me it was top three. Okay. Yeah, top three. that's what you told me too. Yeah. I, got, I put down five. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, you give us your five. Um, I will... Well, that just means he has a hard time choosing, you know, three. I had to settle on these. So this is my top five, and this is in no particular order. Okay. okay. First one would be looped and looped on cassette. Bad. Michael Jackson. Nice. Boom. What an album. Every track, no skip. <laughs> it's just. And you couldn't with some of them, because I remember, wasn't it around about. <laughs> <Skip a set. laughs> um, there was like between like six and seven, I think. It went from, I want to say, Librarian Girl to uh, the one with the rabbit. Um, oh, um, that was. Um, but it, the, the, the tracks uh, actually merged together. So if you just like took one track, you had the leftover. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speed Demon. Speed Demon, uh, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's the thing, because like, for some reason, the rest of the songs seem quite separate, but that, those two, it went from one song and then just merged straight into the next one. Nice. Yeah, man. So, yeah. Bad. See? I remember yeah. the shit. <laughs> yeah, bad, bad, bad. That was, yeah, that was that was forever played. Okay. Second album, uh, LA Woman by The Doors. Good album. Fuck yeah. Love the doors being a keyboard man myself. Yeah, the, the keys, Raymond Zarek. I was all about the doors. So LA Woman, my dad introduced me to that that album. So LA Doors, that got played a hell of a lot. That'd be my number two. Third, Hysteria, Def Leppard. I like that album, actually. That's one of my favorite albums. Yeah, that especially is. from Def Leppard. That's hysteria. That is, yeah, it's probably it is my favorite Def Leppard album, and it's always in my top three albums of all time. Yeah, just um, because of the comeback of Rick Allen alone, that they still managed to continue on. Oh, dude! In the yeah, face of made, adversity. If you don't know about this, Scott, the the drummer from Hysteria, he um he was involved in a car accident and he lost his arm. Yeah, I know. I heard about this, but then he went on and learned to do it one-handed, didn't he? Yeah, dude, yeah. he basically Boom! fucking built, point for me. <laughs> yeah, point. He built um he built a custom kit. Uh he basically hits the snare with his foot and it's it's completely custom and and the band members were like, you know, we don't want to get another drummer. If you think you can do it, then fucking just do it and we'll we'll keep yeah. you in the band. And he proved everyone actually I'm just going to veer back very quickly. It wasn't a gig, but it was a festival. It was Download Festival 2009 at Donington. One of my other favorite gigs or moments was Def Leppard because it was the anniversary of something. And they mentioned, obviously, about him, the drummer and stuff. And there was this big speech in front of like 80,000 people. And you know, it was just it was incredible. Them just basically turning to him and being like, look, you know, without you, this band is nothing. And thank God you did what you did. And they just basically had this like heartfelt moment in front of like 80,000 people. And it was wow. just incredible. And then they busted in to pour some sugar on me. And I was just like, I can die happy. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so yeah, that would be my number three. Number four would be born to run Bruce Springsteen. Excellent. The boss, the boss, the dude. That would be my fourth. And my fifth would be Aerosmith, Get a Grip. Not bad. And how about you for that, Mr. Scott? Um, well, 
as I mentioned earlier on, um, I was never like a, a big fan into whole music stuff, and I feel so bad about showing this list. So, no, well, no, it's embarrassing uh, because it goes to show how sensitive I was when I was younger before I became an asshole. I, I know one of this. <laughs> There's no such thing as bad music or embarrassing music. I'm going to throw it out there for the record that I very much like um, Air Supply and I very much love Barry Manilow. So, Barry Manilow's great. Oh, he oh. Yeah. <laughs> I love Barry Manilow. He's, there's nothing wrong with Barry. It's all good. Oh. But no, I thought we were going to say like One Direction or Justin Bieber there for a minute. <laughs> Fuck no. <laughs> okay, so, right. Fuck One Direction. <laughs> um, yeah, I really struggled with this list because, as I said, apart from like, I, I wanted to steer clear of like soundtracks because, as I said earlier on, Predominantly, that's what I listened to, even as a kid growing up. So I got Rob Zombie, and oh. I can't remember the album, but I think it was the, uh, the I want to say Hillbilly Deluxe It album. would be. Nice. Dude, that's the album, man. That's Ooh. Hillbilly Deluxe. Is, yes. Is, I love a bit of Zombie. And now it's from, from memory. Yeah, I love Rob Zombie. And so, you can edit that shit. Yeah, no, dude, if that was <clears> Hillbilly <throat> Deluxe came out, I think it was about 97, 98, that had, like, Dragula on it, Living Dead yeah. Girl, oh, Super yeah. Beast. Those are my two, oh, those are my three best ones on that album, yeah. Boom! <laughs> Definitely. Um, and this is obviously in no particular order, but number oh, two obviously. was um, the History album, Michael Jackson. Of course. Uh, I mean, I, like you, I remember going through school, I when I was, when did we start, like, 10, 11-ish? 11 yes when i was 12 13 i met a, a dude who was super into like everything that i was he was his biggest fan about star wars and michael jackson and everything and when we found out about that every chance we got like every lesson we had together we'd sit next to each other and talk about it and um break times we'd go out and we'd like listen to you know michael jackson's music and literally like you we knew every song inside out uh, and I, one of the very, because I don't remember much before the age of um, eight or nine, or maybe mm. seven or eight, but I, one memory that I do have regarding Michael Jackson is that I remember back way before CDs when it was just cassettes, um, when we used to get the album, and even like, even not that, vinyl records, I used to, um, take out the, the sleeve and stuff. And I'd write down all the looks back then, all the looks came with, the album and stuff they were actually right. printed and stuff so i'd write i'd copy them over so that i could mm-hmm. like take them away and you know go through them and you know listen to the song and read them back um because obviously i wouldn't be allowed to take the the vinyl cover to school or whatever mm-hmm. but right. yeah the hours i put in like writing all this shit out and stuff and still remember all this stuff today um so, yeah, of course, I put down history because that, that did come out around about that sort of time period, like mid to late-ish kind of 90s. Yeah, um, dude. History was incredible. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. And obviously had like a lot of the uh, the better hits of uh, everything. It was a combination of everything that he'd done that was great. Yeah, some old stuff and then some new stuff on there as well. That It was kind of split in half, wasn't it? Just one, just two, the old stuff and then the new stuff. Yeah. Right. And then there's my number three, which... Adam, did you want to take that stab in the uh, dark or the shot in the dark, whatever it is, about <laughs> what it might be? Yes, I'm, I'm not. Okay, hold on. <laughs> I have to think of the album 
Um, but if I, I'm going to get the artist, but I'm going to try and get the album as well for double points. Mm-hmm. Do you know the album name? Yeah, roughly. Yeah. Okay. Well, I know for a f- <laughs> I know for a fact one of your guilty breakup <laughs> albums was by Mariah Carey. <laughs> oh shit! You know me too well, sir. So I'm a good friend for knowing that, and now everyone in the world knows that. Yeah, uh, I know. I might cut that bit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the album. No, it was the. Um, it would have been the. Uh, the um, at the time, I think it was. Um, I want to say Dream Lover album, but like shortly after that, she came out with the Number Ones album, which was around about '98. And. Back that let me make this clear, right? Because <laughs> I don't like her anymore. When she went all deep, really? yeah, fuck that. Um, it's like because back in the day she had actual talent, and then she fell into the trap of like, okay, yeah, I've got a, I've got to sing songs that feature. Because she kind of was one of those people that pioneered this whole uh, singing a song that featured somebody, quote unquote. Right. And yeah, you know, and they all happened to be rappers and all that kind of stuff, and then. With the boob job came the losing the clothes type thing, which again just became that sort of era of music when it started dying. But back before that, her Christmas album, pretty innocent, like that. And then uh, back in the uh, the early and like mid nineties, I had the biggest crush on like a girl that you would not believe. I could I could write a TV show or a movie about it, um, which maybe I will. And I was gonna say you should. It's like, yeah, and it's oh, it's so. <laughs> in in a way, it's so fucking pathetic. But back then, I was so I I had like my feelings were so huge, and I'm sure everybody's probably gone through that, like their first crush or their first love or whatever they want it to claim it to be, however they phrase it. Right. it. It was so powerful, and like you know, some I'm not gonna say it felt like Mariah Carey was like singing out to me personally, but. Like a lot of her songs were about like you know, heartbreaking, like waiting and all that kind of stuff. And that kind of like um, related to my situation. So, right. And she, and, and back then as well, she was, she, she was hot. Mariah Carey. So, yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah. She nice. was, she, she definitely wasn't hard on the eye. Yeah. So for a single horny teenager boy, you know, what's not to like? Right. <laughs> She's got the package to back it up. Yeah. She well, did. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Well, I, for me, the top three albums that influenced really me growing up, and again in no particular order, would be uh, number one, Paul Simon's Graceland. And to me, oh, Graceland, yeah, just really spoke out to me about the situation in Africa, um, and not just in Africa, but around the world, how we're all tied to each other. That really what one man's struggle isn't really any different than another man's struggle. Just it really brought what was going on as far as apartheid and our boycotting at South Africa and all that just really impacted me. Yeah. Um, still one of my favorite albums to this day. Nice. Um, my second one would have been is Pink Floyd's The Wall, and Good the reason album. I chose that is it came out in 79. I was like nine years old, um, and 
it was the first album that really spoke out to me about the establishment and you know what we're being told isn't necessarily what's going on behind the curtains and so even at that young of an age it really i got what the album was about and it was just like wow Big Brother's out to really fuck us. <laughs> and, and really, it was a hard choice between that and uh, Queen's Rike Operation Mindcrime because Operation Mindcrime also deals with the same Big Brother aspects, just really taking it to the next level. But then when I was thinking about that, I was like, well, really, the first album that made me socially conscious of society and the establishment and everything was Pink Floyd's The Wall. Um, just from beginning to end, you could just see the whole Big Brother establishment mentality is in the lyrics there. And yeah, it was impactful for me mm. at that young age. I remembered that uh, another Brick in the Wall Part 2, also known as We Don't Need No Education, yeah. uh, was banned in our schools because of how Whoa. popular that song was. <laughs> That's crazy. How political the... Uh, only, I mean, I hate to say it because I love, I do love America. I love America more than I do love our own stupid, pitiful country. But how, Dude, how nuts, how nuts do you have to be ass. to like, I, I can't believe it's that extent that even back then they were like, oh no, this song's too popular. Let's ban it. That just, the what an over extreme for like, yeah, you know, the land of the free. You know, it just doesn't oh, no, work at all. <laughs> Dude, it's all smoke and mirrors, man. Yeah, totally. Uh, I mean, well, I think I've discussed with you guys that, or maybe not, but I've discussed with several people that ideally um, I would like to live in Canada. Oh, that, yeah, that, yeah. We mentioned that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Canada is kind of like the U.S., only cooler. Yeah. More chilled <laughs> out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the downside is, yeah, you got to deal with the winters, but over on the Vancouver, British Columbia side, um, if you live near the Pacific Ocean, the winters average about 37 degrees through the winter, which really isn't that bad. No, it's not. That's, that, that's bearable compared to yeah. white America here. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's doable. <laughs> yeah. Um, otherwise, I would really look, dig living somewhere in Europe. Hmm. And the only reason for that is because you guys got mountains and hills I can ride my bike up. <laughs> and pubs at various day. corners on those mountains, too. <laughs> right. Um, as far as my third selection, it's uh, Dr. Hook and the Medicine Show's Sloppy Seconds. Huh. Um, not too many people are familiar with Dr. Hook. Um a lot of their lyrics were written by the poet Shel Silverstein, who did Where the Sidewalk Ends and many other children's poetry. Uh, but what a lot of people don't realize is he did have that adult side to him. And it's just a really fun album, but it also has songs in there like This Is The Last Morning, where it talks about a guy just being tired of this grind in the city where he came from like the boonies and thinking that the city was going to be all that and he was just going to make it. And he finds out that that ain't it in the city, that it's a fucking grind that sucks ass. 
and I'm ready to get the fuck up out of here. Um, songs like that, uh, Queen of the Silver Dollar um, is about, I don't know if you guys call them this or not, but over here we call them bar flies. They're chicks that hang out at the bar for guys to buy them drinks and then oh, maybe gosh. take them home. Um, Leeches. And it's, yeah, and it's kind of a story about that girl and how everybody's just fighting to you know be able to be the one to take her home kind of a sad song um and a lot of people are familiar with of course cover of the rolling stone uh that's probably the biggest hit off that album that everybody knows and that album that song actually got them on the color cover of a rolling stone magazine mm. so yeah those <laughs> were my uh top three as far as you know what really spoke out to me growing up and as we all acknowledge you know i've got a few years on you guys so i i was listening to music at an early age um we didn't have a tv in my house until i was whew, like almost 11 years old or so wow um, well, Music back right. then was definitely more powerful. I mean, like I said, even like even when as me growing, I don't know, I don't want to speak on Adam's behalf, but even me growing up, there was TV. But I found it so boring, and repetitive because it was like at the time, like two or three channels, the same shit repeated. Whereas right. music, there was more variety. So I grew up listening more to music than I did watching TV or whatever, which is why I prefer the older stuff. And yeah, it all kind of just clicks and it worked back then. Whereas now, it feels like there's too much pressure now on right. sales and all that kind of stuff. And that's why there's the whole sex appeal and everything. Anyway, I'm going to try not to get too political. Sorry, Adam, you were going to say something. No. No. Oh, all right. Oh, yeah, <laughs> no. For me, um, music was always in my life. Um, from the get-go, like I said, we didn't have a TV in the house until I was 11. It was music, and the, where I benefited, <clears throat> sorry about that, is that wherever I stayed as far as family goes, I was exposed to different types of music. Like if I stayed at my grandparents' house, I was exposed to the old country of like Hank Sr., um, Porter Wagner, Patsy Cline. Oh. Uh, the the TV show Hee Haw. Oh, good, was, oh, good, oh, good artists. Uh, yeah, I was exposed from them as well as big bands like Glenn Miller, um, Tommy Dorsey, and stuff like that. And then I'd go like stay with my aunt, and she was into what was popular at the time, like Three Dog Night, Elvis Presley, the Bay City Rollers, uh, shit like that. That's and then good, I'd go to my uncle's house. Mix. And my uncle was into, like, just regular rock, like Aerosmith, Boston, Leonard Skinner, yeah. stuff like that. Then we have my mom, who it would be the oddball of the bunch. She liked <laughs> everything from old blues, uh, some country like Johnny Horton, Marty Robbins, to Alice Cooper, Black Sabbath, and shit nice. like that. Yeah, so growing up, um, I was exposed to music. As a matter of fact, there's a uh, family story that my very first word was sick and that it took the family the longest time to understand what I was saying. Just sick, sick, sick. And they eventually realized that I was talking about 
music. Ah. <laughs> so yeah, my very first words were not mommy or daddy. It was, it was sick. Music. Music. Yeah, sick. Yeah, yeah that's amazing. Sick. See, I can yeah. I can go back to because my dad was a professional flute player, which I've always thought is I can appreciate the flute, but I think it's fucking irritating. <laughs> <laughs> Only because I used to sit in my room and all I could do was a fucking flute being played for like six hours a day. So I hated that instrument, but I always... It's got nothing on a saxophone, has it? Nah, man. I got my first piano, uh, well, keyboard when I was like five, um, really young. Didn't really play it that well until, I don't know, like you were saying, Scott, about TV and stuff. Do you want me to tell tell a story? About what? About how you piss so many people off with your ability. Oh, no, no, no. I think, okay. my, I think I get my, definitely my music from my dad because he's a phenomenal musician. Like he could play absolutely anything musically put in front of him. I can't do that. I play by ear. Um, I, I, I was going to ask if you were trained or if you played by ear. I can read. If we're talking like sheet music and I'm, I'm probably very basic, maybe level two or three on piano, I can read basic notation enough for me to compose but i play by ear and it really frustrates my dad and i remember the time and everybody else on the planet <laughs> yeah i remember i can think back to when i knew and when my dad and my parents knew that i was onto something with like composing and writing stuff because they took me do you i don't know if you know in the states dude about um uh, there's a dancer an irish dancer really good tap dancer called michael flatley yeah who course, doesn't, right? doesn't know about him of course all right <laughs> My bad. um so yeah he did a massive i mean he was he's i don't think he does it anymore but he was huge in the 90s and i think i must have only been about nine or ten and he did a big arena tour in london and we had seats and my mum had the vhs and she used to watch it all the time we mainly went for her i love irish music so i was always really into it and it was really cool live and my dad bought my mum the cd when we were there and we came home and i had a fairly good keyboard at this point one where i could um kind of write i had like floppy disks where i could record stuff on it and <laughs> floppy was, discs. yeah i remember i borrowed the album from my mum i was just like, i want to listen to the album because it was pretty much the whole show but recorded and i sat in my room which must have been every day for i don't know maybe a week and a half and I pretty much learned and recorded. I could only maybe record about 16 instruments tops onto this floppy disk, mm. but I recorded the whole album myself, wow. uh, the whole thing. And I played it to my dad and he was just like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> right. <laughs> Cause he just couldn't... should be able to do this. Yeah. He couldn't understand how I couldn't, I can't like read music, but if I hear a song or I hear something being played, I can pick it up and play it pretty much straight away. Did we lose you? No, 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 it's all good. So yeah, I've always played by ear. It's weird. I can hear a song and play it, and it's that's because. All. And I've always said it, dude. You're a musical genius. Thank you, sir. Sadly, about the only thing I can do is drums and keep a very simple, basic blues riff. Um, <laughs> if it's something that I can hear multiple times, I can pick in but i also have that ear for music when i can hear drum layers over drum layers over drum layers and that makes it kind of difficult to pick out what the actual rhythm and beat is of this song Mm. 
dude. I, I hate drum machines. Fuck that shit. Yeah, you need a kit. Like, if you come over here, this is what I propose. We're going to get a kit. I'm all about the blues. I'm going to just kick out some, just some shit on piano. And Nash, I bought him a harmonica. And he really? needs to learn how to play that shit because he loves the harmonica and he Dude. still hasn't oh, learned to play. No, I have been Slacker. learning. No. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> have been learning. I um, haven't heard you play it since I bought it for you. Well, not like a full song, but like, you know, it, I have been learning it, dude, because funny enough, I was going to approach you with an idea. Awesome. Of like, because I know that the, the, the soundtrack we have for the moment for the podcast. Yeah. I know you need to re kind of invent that as it were. I could, yeah, we could get some harmonica in there. Yeah, I want you to Hell like yeah. redo that and I'm going to throw some harmonica in there and that's going to be like the new intro for the third year. When this podcast goes on for the third year, um, as of like around about October time, I think it was that we started. Right. So that's the plan. So that's like step one for this podcast, and then there's I have other assignments for you for your podcast, and then we'll but we'll talk about that later. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm th- what I'm thinking of doing is I'm going to come up with a new theme for Nashcast, which is going to be still very. Um, Four why, guys why? sitting in a dingy strip bar in Texas kind of vibe to it. And then I'm going to record something. Go. I'm going to record something for Sean for his DS one, which is going to be very Hans Zimmer and very um, just like theatrical and just like an orchestral kind of thing for him. Oh, I like that. It's a good oh. idea. Yeah. Like, like get, it's get that movie like, feel for it. Yeah. So like mm. completely different, but um, gotcha. put, my own, put my own yeah, spin the, on it. Yeah. Okay. That Texas one. I would probably go with like an Ennio Marcone type sound from his spaghetti westerns in Italy. Because mm. those always, as far as soundtracks, the spaghetti westerns with Clint Eastwood always had just really amazing sound. Especially, and the one that I still love to this day is The Ecstasy of Gold. Mm. Nice. Yeah, so that's something to work on. That's something for us to work on, definitely. Yeah. Well, uh, not only that, but um, we were also going to look into a collaboration with Natalie as well. Ah. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. Which, whilst on the subject, I know the episode is going to like come out like weeks after she's like been better and stuff. But I will do a shout out now for her now that you know it kind of sucks. I found out today that she is like being kept in hospital overnight. Oh. Yeah, and that sucks, right? So that does. Yeah, I'm sorry so to hear that, like man. I said, whilst that... this episode might not be up for like two, maybe three weeks, probably uh. two weeks. Um, I still want on the record that we're all like thinking of her and stuff like that because right. it's like this came on like I mean it. Well, it sucks that it came on when it did. It shouldn't have come on at all. But it was kind of cool that she didn't like miss out massively on like Comic Con because of it. So right, yeah. Well, but it still sucks ass. So it does, man. Nobody wants to be sick, especially fucking in a hospital sick. That yeah. just blows ass. Yeah, and it's like yeah, and no matter what you've got, like, you could have all the tablets in the world and videos to watch, and God knows what. It still sucks. Just lying in hospital at night by yourself, and you're like, okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, well, <laughs> soon. 
Right, get well soon. Yeah, uh, Matt's or else. Right. So, of, of all the artists that have been and gone and, you know, maybe artists or members of the band have died off, what is the one band that you guys haven't seen that maybe you regret not seeing or haven't seen yet? Got it. I've got the ticket stub at home. Go for it. I've got it. I still have it. In fact, I'll take a picture. Well, no, of that you I, know, I, know, I know what it no, is. No, no, no. Yeah, I yeah. didn't get to go to this yeah. gig, dude, but this is the most heartbreaking thing for me ever. Um, oh. I have a ticket stub for a ticket which never got to happen because Kurt Cobain died. Um, oh, Nirvana. <laughs> yeah, dude. Um, oh. That never happened. That would have been my first ever gig, but Kurt Cobain died, and wow. yeah, I have a ticket stub for the gig that never happened in London. You didn't even yeah. get a refund? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, he's still got the <laughs> ticket, man. That's, <laughs> that's worth something. You should try and claim back on that. Yeah, I'll sell it on eBay, yeah. Yeah, it was 90, um, I think the gig was supposed to be May, May or June 94, and he died in April, and yeah, that. Oh, but what a thing to have, but the gig that never happened. So I would have loved, I, I know I've not mentioned Nirvana tonight, but... I definitely I would have loved to have seen Nirvana or Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. Woodstock. Yeah. I've actually got that on video. It's an excellent video. Jimi Hendrix was he's that guy was a robot. He's just yeah. he came along at a time where guitars and it was all very clean and crisp and then he was all sort of like I'm going to get some sexy distortion. And yeah. <laughs> fuck, he made sounds that people were just like, what guitars should not do this? Right. No Jimi Hendrix, no distortion, no a lot of rock in general. Yeah, he created his own uh, pedal effects. Yeah, man. So I, is... would have, I would have loved to have seen Jimi Hendrix. Right. I guess for me, the, the artist that I haven't seen and that I would, I'm literally dying to see um, especially before he retires, is Bruce Springsteen. I would, I would die to see the boss. Dude, you've never um, seen Springsteen in the E Street. Oh. Never, never. Dude. I know. I'm slacking. So good, Roy Bitten. He's a massive influence on me. He's the keyboard player for the E Street Band, but they're so good live, right. man. Just, uh, speak. You... Yeah, my uh, wife's family um, grew up friends with uh, Danny Federici. Oh, shit. Yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, my wife's uncle, Nick, played with Dan Federici in what was called the Dan Federici Trio Whoa. back when they were in, like, grade school. Holy shit. Um, what a yeah, claim to he, fame. <laughs> yeah, and Danny did an album called, um, ah, fuck, what, what is the town they're from? He did an album. Flemington? Flemington, yes. In the Flemington album. Yeah, that in was the like linear in late notes, 90s. He gives a shout out to Nick Ferlicky, which mm. is my wife's uncle. Wow, shit, dude. That's amazing. Isn't it? Wow. That's crazy. Because he died like late, oh, I can't remember, it was like 2009? Yeah, something like that, of melanoma. Yeah, yeah, he's, oh man, that's crazy. That is. But, you know, to me, as far as like putting on a real rock show, Bruce Springsteen seems to just bring it all out. Yeah, you have to see the boss, dude. I can't believe you haven't seen him yet. You have I to know. do that. 
Uh, it doesn't get down this way very often. No. Sadly. What about you, Nash? Someone that you could see dead or alive? Well, Robocop. <laughs> well, Robocop. No. <laughs> it's not bad. It's not bad, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, no, uh, I did have like a lot of thoughts about this, and I got thinking a lot this afternoon. I thought, okay, because I, I didn't know how the question was going to be, be, whether it was like, do they have to be alive or not? If I could, without a doubt, Michael Jackson. Because, nice. yeah, he was like a, a massive figurehead in like the 80s and 90s of from my childhood growing up. Loved his songs, the lyrics and stuff. Had a big impact. Yeah, and the dance moves too. The amount of shit that he like created, brilliant. Um, alive, I can't actually think anybody off the top of my head that I just that I really joins for, you know, I'm just like, Oh my God, I'd love to see that person live. I, like, as I said earlier on, I don't have that passion for music for that. So right. I would lean towards, um, like more of the soundtrack composer side of it. So I, and I would probably lean towards like John Williams or Hans Zimmer. If there was something going on that I'd probably go, cause I'd appreciate the soundtrack side of it more than some band or something, because I don't have any, heart for any kind of band that is probably not going anymore <laughs> so right. yeah, a lot of the bands i know most of the people are either dead or they've disbanded or retired Whatever. or something so yeah so yeah well we said dead or alive you know that we never said disbanded ah <laughs> yeah um trying to think a person I've not seen that uh, I would probably lean towards Rob Zombie to be honest. I oh, do I do really like Rob Zombie and stuff and like, I've seen a whole bunch of stuff, concerts, music videos and stuff, and he has like such a whole range of um a contrast from like a, a visual point of view of like, you know, when he's all like dressed up and made up and stuff, zombie style, and when he's not right. to the movie side of him as well, when he's like directing his stuff and the dude's like he's so multi-talented i love it and yeah i'm easily pleased when it comes to rock you know fuck my carry I'll, I'll i'll go see rob zombie there you go yeah That's i think that hopefully that redeems my childhood errors there nah, there's no such well, thing as bad choice music all right well all right, justin mentioned that you were into soundtracks who's your favorite composer john williams john williams <laughs> right you know what i have a i have a, a conflicting answer here that i hey, nothing I, wrong with that man yeah i've struggled with it all day yeah ever since adam uh when i got the some questions from adam and he said same thing as like you know favorite composer john williams was number one that came to the list but then a very close second hans zimmer because it's and the thing is is like the those two composers they're both really good at the top of their game but they are very unique into what sort of soundtracks they do and whilst john williams has done some kind of like serious stuff more so back in the day his right. soundtracks are more family friendly with as far as films go hans zimmer is more like dark sort of gritty raw sort of movies like gladiator dark knight sort of stuff 
not right. so like it's not Home Alone or Indiana Diamond Jones. Diamond the same vein as Denny Elfman. Yeah. So and I'm I really can't like decide between the two of them like which one's better. That literally depends on like what mood I'm in. If I'm in like a casual kind of mood, sure I could throw on a, the the best playlist uh, of uh, of John Williams and listen to everything from you know uh, what like E.T. Timeline to Star Wars. I mean, come on, Star Wars epic again, yeah. family friendly. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, and then like switch it to like Hans Zimmer, where you get the darker stuff of like Black Hawk Down and Gladiator, Dark Knight, and Man right. of Steel. There's a very, I think he's as talented as John Williams, but he goes for a different sort of genre sort of films to John Williams. So I, I find that really hard to decide, and I couldn't. I'm literally like 50 50, right. both of them, depending on like what kind of mood you're in at the time. Well, you do know that Hans Zimmer uh, did the music for Cool Runnings based on the Jamaican bobsled team. <laughs> yeah, dude. Cool yeah. Runnings, man. Yeah. I love, dude, that yeah, that bit of music. John Candy. Amazing. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I love, I love that. I love that music when they crash at the end and they're all carrying the bobsled. That's a great bit. Yeah. Yeah, that's Hans it's Zimmer. Emotional. It's emotional. Uh, you know what? I did not know that. I did not know huh? that Hans Zimmer did that. No. Yeah. I don't. I yep. barely remember the fucking film. <laughs> like <laughs> the soundtrack for it. All I remember was like, literally John Candy in it. Because it wasn't that um, like one of his last films that he did. I'm having oh, a toast to John Candy. Yep, let's do it. Cheers, mate. To John Cheers, Candy. John. Yep. Yeah. For me, it was kind Bar. of a tough choice, but I came out uh, the same as Adam John Williams just because, um, due to my yeah. age, he was the soundtrack of my early years as far as movies. But it was a, t- a tough choice for me. Um, unlike you, sirs, with Hans Zimmer, for me, it would have been it was a toss up between. John Williams, Michael Kamen, and James Horner. James um, Horner's got some great, great soundtracks. He does, but for but when it all came down to as far as like really the soundtracks of my life, John Williams, man. Yeah, dude, it's just it's just it's just every film. It just yeah. he had it. Ah, oh, we've already done this. Me and Nash have already done this conversation about him and because i i don't know if you heard the the podcast that we did chase when i went to see um uh, john it was williams, a it was yeah, a night celebrating john williams music in london wow nice at this, at this massive place uh this beautiful venue the royal albert hall right. uh in london oh, the royal albert hall I'm familiar yeah with that. it was just just incredible man i was just like i was kind of shaking like before it all started like hearing a an 80 piece orchestra playing your childhood like songs right. and they 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 fucking i'm like what are they gonna open with i don't give a shit it could be anything but they open with superman i'm just like oh my god oh, yeah. yeah you can imagine the lights kind of dim down and then you just have the it just starts like and i'm just like that is it my life is complete right it's just it was probably See that? It's not. That is a gig. That is that. I no, even no, that definitely. I'd count that that's, as a gig. Yeah, definitely. See, that would be. I would probably put that neck and neck, or slightly behind MJ. Uh, 
John, yeah, hearing that those iconic songs live is just right. it just right, just straight through me. Just amazing. Raiders to ET to Jurassic Park to Home Alone to Star Wars, Imperial March. You oh, know, just dude, this takes me back. Do you remember the the challenge that you said you could do of humming these tunes in sync? Do you remember it? Ah, oh, the order though, I can't remember. That was a tough. That was a tough chat. It was um, Star Wars, Superman I think. Uh, into Superman e. to Jurassic Park. Oh, yeah, yeah, Jurassic Park, E.T., Superman. And I think there was a fourth Probably one. Probably not. Jurassic Park. <laughs> Superman into E.T. Jurassic into Park Star was the fourth film. Yeah. Go on, dude. Into E.T., into Star Wars, into Jurassic Park. Uh, I'm going to fuck it up. It's really hard. Okay, hold on. <laughs> yes! Yes, exactly. I'll that, give you the A for effort, bro. <laughs> yeah, better than I absolutely. Could. Next time we'll throw Star Wars, Star Wars into the mix, and uh, right. a particular theme. <laughs> yeah, John Williams, man. No, fair play, dude. No, because we when we recorded that, that was probably like twenty-five episodes ago. So, yeah, points for effort. Um, no shit. And points for me remembering that. Kudos. <laughs> yeah, John Williams is a. He, that is going to be one sad day when we lose that man. Ah. Seriously. Yes, it will. Yes, Just it another will. one, dude, because Chase, you said um, very neck Horner. and neck. James Horner. We should toast yeah. the man that's recently oh. gone as well. James Horner. Yeah. Because Braveheart. Aliens. God damn. Yeah. Wrath of Khan. Yeah. For me, actually, the soundtrack that did it for me for Horner was the Titanic soundtrack, believe it or not. Dude, that's a I don't believe it at all. Uh, yeah, it was just haunting yet melodic mm. and it totally fit the movie. Um it was perfect. Yeah. Yeah. It it really brought you into the movie. The Celine Dion My Heart Will Go On. Yeah, that was cool. It's a good, hey, do you know what? It's a good pop song. To be fair, it it's it's an it's well written pop song. It worked well for the film. It did. It made very good use of the theme. Yeah. See, I like the way he incorporated his his score. You could hear that song in bits of the film as well, which right. he kind of put in. Um, yeah, dude, that's a great. That's probably my favorite. That's in my top three. That Braveheart. And oh, Nash, we did this the other day. I can't remember whichever one I picked, but Braveheart and Titanic were definitely up there, hundred percent. Celine Dion uh, was another guilty pleasure of mine back in the day. Because... Still is of mine. Oh, I think I yeah. Well, before she had all the the work done and went a bit kind of weird publicly. Um, <laughs> back when she had like the songs, like they were kind of borderline country, but not when like the songs. What was it? Um, Think twice. And right. whatever that whatever song that album was on and stuff back then, when she looked normal, um, she yeah she was just like rocking out and they were great songs. And then there was Titanic, and I, I think at that point she she like hit a peak, did Titanic, 
And then, because at some point, like shortly after that, didn't she like retire? Because she was like, "Oh, my husband's yeah, really old." Because and... her husband had cancer for a while. Yeah. Oh, oh, because not because he's old. Okay, so fair enough. That's a good answer to quit. But then she came back for a little bit and then left again. And I don't care about the reasons why. But well, right like... now she's doing uh, shows in Vegas. Is she? She's pretty much yeah. She's pretty much retired to Vegas now. Same as Vegas. Britney Spears. Oh, well, Britney Spears is pretty much exclusive to Vegas. That now. doesn't surprise me at all with Britney Spears. It does a little bit with Celine Dion. I think Celine Dion's. Um, I think her stuff in the nineties were great. Um, I don't know what she's doing in the moment, but it's obviously not hitting headlines on over here that I'm aware of or been made aware of. Yeah, none over uh, here either, dude. Yeah. We're not, uh, not in the circles <laughs> I travel in. That kind of speaks volumes in itself, doesn't it? Right. <laughs> okay, what's the next question? What have we got? Uh, I oh. believe it was our uh, top three movie, music, uh, movie scores. Ooh. Oh, shit. Top three movie scores. Damn. Yeah. Since ah. you guys started mentioning them, fuck. Top three mu- music scores. Um, movie scores. Yeah, this is hard, man, to narrow it to. Yeah, three. especially considering so many movies use, like, essentially a compilation album for their soundtrack. Mm. It's like, okay, actual movie scores that were composed. Fuck. Well, that's easy for me for using the people that we love because people like John Williams, they they literally transpose, they write every single bit of their of their score, so it's easier to go with someone like. That. A lot of it's probably going to be between um, Williams and Horner, to be fair. So, L- Nash, can you go first? I need to think. Sure. sure. <laughs> what now? Well, if you- if you guys want, I'll go first because I've already got mine. Okay, yeah, out. um, I think I've got. See, it's a, it's a tough question to answer because, like, I find that it's always a list that's constantly changing. Yeah, I have the three, but yeah, Chase, as you're the guest on the show, knock us out with your uh, your list. Okay, well, in no particular order, it was uh Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, uh, right, Michael came. So, uh, yeah, Michael Kamen's score for that was yeah. really emotional for me. It really kind of made the connection between Robin and Marion, as well as what was going on behind the scenes. It really impassioned me, if you will. Good score, um, dude. The next one was uh, James Horner's Titanic. Um, wow. That, again, um, the theme that he had going for that movie was just phenomenal. It really brought it in. The one thing that disappointed me though, is that when they released the original Titanic soundtrack, they left some of the stuff off out of the movie that was on that. So they released a second CD of the Titanic score, um, which happened to have one of my favorite pieces from the movie, which is the portrait um, and as it implies, it's the scene where um, Jack draws Rose naked. Um, right. That, just how it's just strictly piano with the haunting voices in the background just really was like, wow. I'm not going to say instant Woody, but I'll say semi-Wood. That, nice. that, that really spoke to me. Um 
as for the uh, my third choice, it was actually Lords of Arabia. Um, oh, dude, I never, never thought yeah, of that. That soundtrack, when you watch the movie, the music really makes you feel like you're there. Um, it, it. That was Morris Jerry as well. That's that's a great score, dude. I didn't think of that. Yeah. Um, I actually have the soundtrack to that, ironically. Um, so yeah, that that as far as you know, how it blends with the movie um, almost makes you feel like you're there. Yeah. He also did, that composer did um, the, the, I mean, it's not a great film, but it, I appreciate the film. He did the, the score to Ghost with Patrick Swayze as well. Um, uh-huh. Actually, was, I dig that movie. Yeah, it's a good film. It is a good film. It's a guilty pleasure, you know. I wouldn't that, even say it's a guilty pleasure. That's... I mean, if you're single and you're wanting to get laid, put on ghost. Put on ghost. Fuck. <laughs> if that doesn't do it, well, you just gonna have to wing it. <laughs> well, my my three would be shock, two, um, two John Williams scores and one James Horner. Ooh. Okay. Wow. The what? F- yeah, my top three. Two James, one Jim. Two J- <laughs> yeah, uh, two John Williams and a, and a James Horner. Um, so the first, my my favorite score, hundred percent, would be the original Superman film. Oh, that was excellent. <laughs> that's not even the favorite part of my score. The the the, the music yeah. from for me, it's the. I mean, that's amazing. The whole. I love the way John Williams, just the way he, he scores stuff and he creates. If you're really creates, lucky, I might play it at the end of the episode for you. Please do, man. Just the way <laughs> that he creates the characters through the music. Like, that film would have been nothing without that that theme and the way it even says Superman, even in the the way he does the music. It's just incredible. Which, which theme are you talking about? Yeah. Superman. Just like, duh, 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 you know, the way it kind of spells oh, out dun, Superman dun, dun, dun. just through his score. Or is it like when he's like, at that moment when he's getting ready to like change, he's like, ah, oh, phone booth, ah. Oh. And then, like, no, this is before that. This is he's talking about the opening credits where John Williams oh, is God, doing the yeah, main think... theme, and they're showing like all the directors and stuff, like, yeah, yeah, almost in got... a 3D pattern going across the screen. And then yeah. all of a sudden, you see the Superman come across the screen, and it and literally says 3D. it, yeah, it's like, dun, 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 and then you see the Superman come out, and it's just like it's humming, wow. it's just, yeah, yeah, yeah I remember. It's just amazing. But then the love theme between him and Lois and That is awesome too. <laughs> yeah, just I love the way that John Williams, the way that he does he the way that he composes, he has like like he does for Star Wars and stuff, he has like he has a theme and then he has a, a spin off of the theme and he kind of cuts it down into different segments which when you put it together it all gets back to the main theme. But right. it, it's very clever the way that he composes. So yeah. Superman would be the first. Then I had to narrow it down to a particular film, but the second one would be Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Nice, that is a good soundtrack. That's my favorite of the. It's my favorite of all the four films because a he uses the original theme, which is great, but he kind of tinkers with it a little bit. The the theme that he writes for. 
um indy and his dad i think it's just brilliant like it sounds like a theme fit for a father and son um the way that he wrote the music for the neo-nazi part it just last crusade i think he learned everything that from uh raiders and temple and it just he refined it in the last crusade so that right that's we're not going to talk about uh kingdom of the crystal skulls (laughs) hey right it's indie it was just (laughs) what now it was different (laughs) indiana jones and the uh Kingdom of the Crystal Skulls. You know, I think that that movie got. No. I hate to lie. I'll I'll say this. I fell asleep during it. I think it was okay. I think that if I. My overall, like, opinion of the movie was that I would like to have seen them to, you know, stare away from. The alien side of things. Or they right. they could have done something of like some forbidden treasure or something in, in like some forbidden land or something like that. But they didn't and but my when it's really weird because whilst I think that I defend it at the same time because I, I see a lot of people like attacking it and they're just like, right. Oh, it's so unrealistic and not believable. And I'm like, right, okay, so Raiders, Nazis melting, that's believable. Last Crusade, right. a 900-year-old knight. That's believable. And then people are like, oh, yeah, you got a point there. But it was literally just because it was an, an alien thing. They they weren't on board with it, which is fair right. enough. So, you know, but, so yeah, they're, they're still was... looking at doing another Indiana Jones film. They just need to stare away from the alien fucking shit. Right. Because... I don't know if you chaps are old enough to remember, but way back in the day, there was an actual Indiana Jones comic TV? book series for a while. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And heard, yeah. The, the, yeah, the very first issue of the comic book took place right after Raiders of the Lost Ark, where he's tar- talking to Marcus about going and retrieving that idol that got jacked from him. And then that leads into a story about the Incas, and it just was off the wall good. Um, and to me, that's probably where they should have gone with Indiana Jones. Instead of that alien factor, maybe have gone the way that the comic book series started out with him going after the Incas. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. I'll have to look into that. I never knew that about the comic. That's cool. No, I yeah, mean, I knew it. Did, it yeah. didn't last long. Maybe a year. Maybe two. It it was really short lived. Um, I had the sad, unfortunate accident that when I was in school, I had a lot of. Even at that time, were pretty rare comic books. I had the first seven issues of the original. Marvel Star Wars uh, series. I had a um, reproduction of Captain America number one. I had the first four of the Indiana Jones Adventures comic book. And I took him to school during what was one of our book fairs. And I sat him down and a teacher had thought they were for sale and ended up selling them on Mm-hmm. Shit. Even though I didn't have a price or anything like that, yeah, I lost some pretty good issues. Because 
a lot of people are aware that Marvel and its subsidiaries now do the Star Wars comics, but not many people are, are aware that before Dark, Dark Horse did it, that Marvel, way when Star Wars was coming out, did the Star Wars uh, comic books. Mm. Mm. Yeah, so I got jacked pretty hard. And then the, the saddest is when I moved from Lexington, Kentucky to Austin, Texas, I had three milk crates full of vinyl that got jacked. Oh. Yeah, that killed me because it was stuff that I was allowed to raid out of my mom's collection, stuff that she had allowed me to buy at the used record store. It mm -hmm. just, yeah, it hurt more than the comic books for sure. That sucks, man. People suck. Yeah, so, well, you can't say all people suck. It's just there's a Most people. majority <laughs> of people out there that are assholes. True. That's right, why, my, uh, that's my why there's only going to be the few of us that survive in the apocalypse. Right? Yeah. All right, sorry, go on, Adam. What's your uh, your list? I've done two. Two? I got to do my third. Oh, yeah, sorry, go on. Because <laughs> we veered off. Yeah. <laughs> hey, this is Nashcast, baby. Dude. This is what we do. Yeah. <laughs> my third, that, was my, that was my two John Williams, my third one. Um... Now, you guys might know, if I said to you a composer by the name of David Arnold, now, he did, he got pulled in to do a few of the later Bond films. He did The World Is Not Enough and Tomorrow Never Dies, and he actually did Stargate with Kurt Russell, but my favourite um, score that he did was in 96 for Independence Day. Wow, oh, I actually have that soundtrack. Come on, dude, let's do it right now. Dun, 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 when they first arrive and it's just a dun, 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 dun. Like, oh shit <laughs> yeah it's menacing it's kind of a bit theatrical um yeah that dude that that was a fantastic he'd only actually done i think three music scores before then he did stargate and a couple of like straight to dvd movies and then he got pulled in for independence day and then after that wow. His career just, as you can imagine, took off as a composer. He also did Godzilla. Oh, Godzilla. Uh, oh, fuck that. Godzilla. <laughs> Shitty film. Yeah. But yeah, great soundtrack. That film had very fond memories of Independence Day, but that soundtrack, inc yeah, incredible. All right. Cool. So primarily, um, from what it sounds like, you two are primarily into, like, movie scores and movie soundtracks primarily, except for Adam who also has a really uh, fond uh, taste for the blues. Uh, yeah, who's your blues favorite blues artist? Oh, dude, if I'm gonna see, if I'm talking Stevie Ray Vaughan? No. People that yeah, you, I'll give you the people that influence me because some of it is blues. Piano wise some of it is blues, some of it is, and there's a few people. Ray Charles 100%. Oh, I love it, Charles. 
yeah. Ray Charles in terms of if we're talking blues and just R&B, you know, Ray Charles, 100%. There is a Korean piano player who is the most phenomenal piano player I've ever heard in my life. He's called Yuruma, and he's amazing. Um, oh. He's incredible. He It's all just it's pretty much just piano, and he puts a bit of strings in there sometimes, but some of the stuff he composes and writes is absolutely beautiful. Nash, I know you hate the franchise and you hate the films. Um, he did a couple of songs for the Twilight films, even though the films are shocking. Right. But some of the music he wrote, the piano pieces complemented that film pretty well for what it was. Hmm. Um, but he wasn't very well known and Twilight actually got his name out there, which I'm really happy for. Um, yeah, and like I mentioned, Roy Bitten, the piano player from the E Street Band. There's a ton of influences, but definitely, if we're talking blues, like Ray Charles, man. <laughs> right. You can't yeah, That's not... what we're talking. Um, it doesn't matter if it's Chicago blues, St. Louis blues, Louisiana blues, Texas blues, just the blues in general. Mm, I agree, yeah. Blues is, oh, yeah, that's my thing. I I tend to favor some of the oldies like uh, Elmore James, Muddy Waters, T Bone Walker. Old uh, school, yeah, old school blues. But I also have an appreciation for um, the newer artists like Stevie Ray Vaughan, the Texas Tornado. Um, being a person that lived in Austin, Texas, for multiple years, uh, I have a really uh, strong love of srv yeah man no i mean we could go there's people i could go way back like jerry lee lewis obviously you know we're yeah. talking you know that's really old school chuck miller um even elvis yeah dude elvis mm. jimmy yancey there's this you know there's blues is it's just kind of you can divide blues into so many different subcategories there and sections is. uh john lee Ho hooker um who actually appeared in the blues brothers movie um, yeah, I'm a pretty fond now as far as my blues I do tend to favor the more Chicago blues sound me too it just has that edgier sound if you will mm. yeah I agree I agree yeah Chicago yeah but blues is I love blues because you can just especially to jam too if you get a few guys together and yeah, guitarist, piano, keys, and a bass, and a harmonica. You can just literally just li everyone can just do their thing, and you can just go with it. Blues is just really yeah, and then everybody just falls in time and falls within the rhythm, unlike jazz, where everybody just does whatever the f fuck they want through the whole song. Oh, yeah, uh, it's so complex, and just it goes in so many oh different directions. God. I can't, my brain can't keep up with jazz. I can appreciate exactly. it. But it's too technical, and it just doesn't. It's not hooky for me. I can't get into a jazz groove. Whereas, right. just give me a fucking straight four four. Just, just give me an easy blues riff. You know, yeah. just it's something to nod your head to, not back a whiskey, and let the strippers strip. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No shit. Just like let me just chill and enjoy the scene, man. Right. Yeah. Uh, Oh man, where are we at, Nash? Um, I think we we're at yeah. Well, we've done favorite soundtracks and stuff. I think we covered a lot. Yeah, we were kind of like mixing in a lot of the questions from yourself and uh, and good Mr. Walt 
Captain himself, but um, I can give you. I can throw you some questions from the uh, other people on Twitter if you want. Well, there's one oh, there that yeah, 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 I yeah, threw yeah, out there yeah, yeah. that hasn't been addressed. Yeah, mm-hmm. that... uh, that's the one. Um, if you had an unlimited power supply yeah. for your MP3 player, but you could only have three albums, what would they be? Damn. Mm. Yeah, that's a motherfucker of a question, ain't it? You can only listen to three albums for the rest of your life. Yeah, or until you got rescued. (laughs) So you're like stranded (laughs) on a desert (laughs) island scenario, right? You got three albums. And you got unlimited power for your MP3 player. Damn, I've got it. (laughs) Okay, go on, Adam. Go on, get something motivational. I'm going to. I'm going to chuck in the Rocky I'll play something something in the background. (laughs) I would throw that out there, wouldn't I? Yeah, go on, dude. Go go for it. I don't know, man. It's probably... uh, I'd make it easier. I would just pick uh, three out of my five. So I'd probably go... Yeah, Hysteria, Def Leppard, Born to Run, Springsteen, and Bad MJ. Wow. That's tough, though, man. Three albums. Yeah. yeah. That that really limits, like, wow, of all the groups I listen to and all the albums I, I have from those groups, if I could only have three albums, what the fuck would they be? It's tough. It is. It's. I mean, especially if you have a wide range of what you listen to, like me, I listen to bluegrass, country, country pop, pop, heavy metal. I mean, just literally all over the place. Um, for me, the three albums, of course, would be Graceland because that just really front to end is a monumental and epic album. Um, mm. After that would be, and I'll admit this, would be Angels and Airwaves, We Don't Need to Whisper. Um, It was the first band that I'd listened to post-Blink-182's Tom DeLonge. Dude, I love that album. I I love that album. Yeah, that album just front to end is just like... Everyone was like, you know... they blink. They're not technical. To be fair, Travis holds that band together because he's technical. It's just poppy punk, and it's it's pretty basic. But Angels, you know, Distraction and The War, The Gift, it's just that album is... It's it, just off the wall good. And then, you know, following it up with I, Empire, and then Love Part 1 and 2, um, we're just like... Wow. I think we don't now, need to whisper is if I was going to pick one of their albums to put on, you know, keep one, it would be we don't need to whisper. Exactly. And my uh, third choice was from Merle Saunders and Jerry Garcia called Blues from the Rainforest. A, uh, it's all instrumental, um, although it is dubbed. Merle Saunders and Jerry Garcia. Jerry Garcia, I think, only appears on four of the tracks. Mm -hmm. But it's just a beautiful instrumental album that, like, almost draws you into a rainforest. Nice, man. 
Hmm. Nice. Nash, what are you saying? Okay, so it was the Empire Strikes Back soundtrack. Nice. Alert. Because it's powerful. <laughs> There's enough said about a Star Wars soundtrack, and Empire is just, like, amazing. Uh, I've got on here Greatest Hits of Josh Groban, which is a bit unique because it's more like opera style, but he has a certain way of doing it that I appreciate the way he does it. Cause I, I don't like opera, but the way he sings shit, there's like power behind his little tiny young voice. The son of a bitch. Cause back when she, if I could sing like him, God damn. But yeah. yeah. And again, like, yeah, he does have some certain songs. that are like tug at the old heartstrings or right. circuits or whatever they're called. Um, and then, yeah, like, uh, the last hit, uh, I, at first I was leaning towards Lacuna Coil, but, like, this stuff's, like, a bit too slow in some places, and I got thinking, like, if this is, like, three soundtrack or three albums forever, right. I, no, it's not Spice Girls, Stace. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'd like, yeah, soundtrack's good for, like, yeah, a calming, meditating kind of situation, Josh Groban versus some of that sort of thing, but then you want something that's, like, yeah, when you need to get going... You need that kind of music, and I fell back to Rob Zombie again. So there you go. Yeah, you gotta have music for whatever the situation is, which is why I tro- oh. chose Graceland and We Don't Need to Whisper and Blues from yeah. the Way Rainforest. I got, I got so that if it's just a, like I'm in a chillax, wanting to just veg and meditate and just think about stuff. Blues from the rainforest. Yeah. But if it's something where I gotta be go 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 go, we don't need to whisper. Has that like really up feeling? Yeah. Yeah. If you ask me again in a week's time, probably be different answers. Probably. Yeah. Me too. Yeah, so. Well, that's how it is with everybody. I mean. Yeah. It's you like can take your top ten favorite albums, and over time, as you discover new artists or new genres even your perception could change like um once upon a time i wasn't really into bluegrass but then i discovered this uh i'm called picking on zeppelin which was a bluegrass tribute to led zeppelin and when i heard it it was just amazing how led zeppelin's music really crossed that barrier to bluegrass and still still sounded right Hmm. and then so i started to explore other ones um i think the next one i got was cherry garcia um david grisman and tony rice's the pizza tapes and it's mainly just a bunch of covers done in bluegrass but if you like Jerry Garcia and you want to hear what he sounds like outside of the Grateful Dead, that is a good bluegrass album to start with. And then the worst, I kid you not, I own this album. I regret ever buying this album. I could kick myself in the ass for even giving it a try. It's called Fade to Bluegrass. A bluegrass tribute to Metallica. And mm. that album just, oh my God, it should never exist. <laughs> <laughs> I 
that album should just never exist. But yeah, um, a lot of the picking on series where it's bluegrass tributes to certain artists, some of them translate well, some of them not so much, like uh, U2. U2's uh, picking on U2 album really translates well to bluegrass just because of how the rhythms are and the pacing of the music so what do we got from our dear customers out there oh, oh customers and i like the way you that's we've become a business yeah, of course we are <laughs> okay. we're here to not make money <laughs> well all in guitar sir. natalie she asks the first album you ever bought. Oh, I can remember. Adam, can you? Yeah, I think um I think I've got to think it's between one or two. Let me think. I'm trying to think out. Oh fuck, first album. Yeah, that you ever bought. Not that was given to you, but the that you actually the, put your money yeah, that you went out and bought the first cassette album you ever bought dude. i've got it's, it no vinyl. yeah it was a cassette it was a cassette a cassette shop in my hometown um it was yeah it was definitely it was acdc highway to hell nice not a bad album wow yeah are you know for me it... go ahead i was say that that's that's pretty amazing because that is a damn good album i can't even remember really the, the first one that i bought it was probably something like Ace of Base or something. But I, I can honestly... I was about to say One Direction. <laughs> no, they weren't around then, bitch. <laughs> but no, I, I honestly can't remember, but I would like... Oh, wait a minute. I think Stacey's giving me an attitude too as well. What? What was that, Stace? Sunday. so gay. Oh, I'm so gay. Okay. No, yeah. So uh, probably... We all are. <laughs> yeah. Probably... Okay. Probably something like Ace of Base. But yeah, I really, I personally don't remember, but I'm glad Adam does. Go on then, um, Chase, what's yours? Uh, the very first album I purchased with my own money was in 1977. I bought Kiss Destroyer. Oh, oh my God, we haven't talked about Kiss. Oh, yeah. do you want to, do you want to, do you want to? That, and that's like, to me, Kiss Destroyer was their baddest album from the opening of Detroit Rock City. <laughs> well, not just that, but if you listen to Destroyer, there's an opening where it's a guy just getting into his car, listening to music, and as he's cruising down the road, all of a sudden he has this crash. And then that leads into Detroit, Detroit Rock, Rock City. City. Yeah, man. Oh, God of Thunder, Flaming Youth. Yeah. That is a hell uh, of an album. Yeah, that whole album from start to finish is just, at least for me, off the wall, that is the best Kiss album ever. I saw them uh, this year, a couple of months ago, at, at Donington. They, they headlined on the, on the Sunday. It was great. First uh, time not, seen them. Yeah, it's still not the same kiss. It's not Ace Frehley and Peter Chris anymore. It's uh what is it? John Thayer or Jack Thayer or Tommy Thayer, some shit like that, and Eric Stinger. Yeah. I would have liked to have seen them when they like when I was a little nard, um, I'm talking pre ten years old. Kiss was the band I wanted to see just because as a little kid, they were just like off the wall crazy. 
Yeah. They're the makeup and shit. I mean, it was still good hearing the hits and stuff. I mean, they're old as shit now. They're like 70. Oh, yeah. Uh, Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons, Eric Singer, Tommy Faye. It was, you know, it was still great. I'm, I'm the same. I would have loved to have seen Ace Freely and Peter Chris, you know, Eric Carr. But it, it was still great hearing those songs. Right. It was. Have good you guys heard Ace Frehley's latest album, um, Space Invaders, from last year? No. Oh, it's excellent. It's a good, solid, rocking album. When was that released? Last year. Shit, I didn't know. I didn't, yeah, really, I know I didn't realize. Yeah, Ace Frehley has it. It's called Space Invader, and it's a pretty solid, rocking album. Check that out, man. Yeah. Now, Peter Chris, the stuff that he's done solo is more in the blues jazz vein. Um, but even he admits that prior coming into Kiss, rock and hard rock weren't really on his scene. Mm. So his solo stuff is kind of hit and miss, but Ace Frehley still has it as a solo artist. Yeah. Yeah. Kiss. Yeah. It, it would be a recommendation from last year. I don't buy a lot of albums. Mainly, what I concentrated on last year was filling my back catalogs of artists I already have, and just filling up the discographies of them. Um, so I didn't really buy new releases last year, as far as anything from newer groups. Um, the three that I bought, I think, last year was Taylor Swift's 1989, um, Ace Frehley's Space Invaders, and Pink Floyd's The Endless River. Um, See, this has been a good pod because I've been writing down stuff to check out. So this is yeah. that's just gone on the list. Ace right. Hmm? Yeah. Now, the thing about Taylor Swift is I got into her when she was country. Mm. And... Prior to her latest release, 1989, she had done an album called Red. And you could already see where she was migrating from pop, I mean from country, more to into pop. a pop mainstream. And then 1989 is just pop mainstream music from start to go. But it's a good album. I like the 80s. I like the 80s kind of vibe to it. I like that right. it's got a very heavy electronic 80s kind of vibe to the album right. i quite like it i don't mind her to be fair yeah um now as far as overall what i bought last year as far as new releases the best was pink floyd's the endless river nice that was just i bought the uh extended box set which comes with a 5.1 surround sound version of the album mm. oh my fucking god is that a... that album um, for those who don't know, was taken from parts of the recording of The Division Bell, which was the previous last release from Pink Floyd. And what the focus was, and I think I mentioned this earlier, is they focused on Rick Wright's keyboard playing and mm -hmm. synthesizers and such, um, so much so that there's no lyrics until the final song. And if there's a great song on that album, dude, actually, it's fucking long. It's um, it's what we do. Right. That, that's a long ass song, but that's a great, that's a great song. 
Now, if you listen to the division bell, there's a track called Talkin' Hawkin', which has Stephen Hawkin'. Uh, <laughs> I hope everybody, everybody knows who the hell he is. Oh, fuck, um, I'm sure they do. over the track. Now, on the Endless River, there's a track called Keep Talkin', which again features Stephen Hawkin'. Nice. Yeah. It's... To me, it's a beautiful album, start to finish. It it was really hard in those top three, if I could only have three albums for the rest of my life, what would I have? The Endless River was right there in the running. Nice, man. Nice. I like that. Yeah. We've covered a lot. Yeah. And learned a bit. Yeah. Hopefully. Hopefully the listeners out there got their questions answered. And if not, well, fuck them. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I did have uh, another one from Sean. All right. Um, if you could... Since he was too lazy to make it. Yeah, <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> um, he said, if. Wait a minute. Oh, he's got two questions, the cheeky bitch. Oh. Okay, so number one, you get to bring one singer slash songwriter slash artist back from the beyond for one performance. Who would it be? I like Frank that. Frank Sinatra. Oh, dude. Air high five across online. Mm. <laughs> for me, it would be Frank Sinatra and hands down. Fuck. That is love Frankie, man. Dude, if I was a chick, man, I would have thrown my panties on that butcher's stage. <laughs> Him or Barry White. Oh, it's a tough choice, but I would say Frankie. Right? So what, we um, have to pick an artist? Yeah, well, yeah. yeah bring somebody Frank back Sinatra. from the dead. Yeah, someone that's passed that, um, yeah, Expired. singer, songwriter, artist, they can bring him back beyond for one more performance. Who Just one be? song or like a whole gig? He just oh, says, he doesn't specify, bitch. He says one performance. Yeah, so that to me implies a, a gig. Wow, a whole show. Probably, yeah. Either I'd be torn to see MJ again, but then again, I'd love to, I'd go back to probably like 68, 69 and see Jim Morrison in his prime with the doors. Mm. Yeah. I like that. That's a good choice. Dude. Yeah. Fucking crazy poet off his fucking head, light my fire, 1968, Morrison. Yeah, yeah yes. kind of like me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question, Sean. Yeah, what do you got there, Scotty? Okay, another, se- uh, well, uh, what, to bring back from the dead? I'm with you, dude. Yeah. Frank Sinatra. Done deal. I'd Frank even, like, take Frank. one step further and just say, like, the Rat Pack as a whole, because, obviously, um... Dean yeah, Martin's, they were all good Martin's. artists. Yeah, uh, I, Sammy Davis Jr., Dean yeah. Martin. Now, of course, Joey Bishop was a comic, mm. but yeah, Sinatra, Martin, and fucking Davis Jr. Yeah, those guys could sing. As matter of fact, one of my favorite songs of all time is uh, Sammy Davis Jr.'s Redemption of Candyman. Oh no, that oh, song, that's a good oh, that song. song. Always makes me happy. Yeah, dude. Oh, without fail, that has to. That cannot make you not happy. Exactly. Um, if yeah. you listen to Candyman and you're not happy, 
Oh, I feel sorry for you. Yeah. <laughs> I think um, I'd like, you know, the whole group. But it's, at that point, it becomes like a kind of question of like when in the period of the Rat Pack, you know, like specifically. But I would quite, I'd really be happily content with just Frank, Frank Sinatra. That's um, a good choice, dude. Yeah, just oh. him on his own because in a group on his own, the guy wins every time. Yeah. yeah. As a matter of fact, I've got it um, in my last request that when my funeral comes, that my way is played. Wow, wow. what nice. a tune. Dude, I'm not going out like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, bitch, if I'm going to die and you're going to bury me, this is what you're going to fucking play. <laughs> 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 um, nice. the last question Sean asks I'm going to change it somewhat because it falls under I think we've covered it um, somewhat throughout a whole bunch of various questions he asked originally if there was to be one or only one band left on the planet to entertain us who would you choose now we've talked about this based on all of our best uh, options. That's kind of wow. kind of a, let's change Only it. One band left. No, let's like choose a band to destroy from wow. what exists right now. A band? Well, well we can't uh, have course, uh, obviously or an artist. One Direction would be eliminated. Right. Yeah, that'd be gone. <laughs> Sync would be eliminated. Uh, Boys to Men is eliminated. Uh, R. Kelly. New Kids on the Block, they're eliminated. Oh, new Kids on the Block, oh my god. That's going back somewhat. Dude, man, I'm old as fuck now. Yeah, I remember them, yeah. Vanilla Ice. Yeah. Vanilla Ice, he can stay. That, that was really? <laughs> and the thing that pissed me off is he denied ripping off Queen and uh, David Bowie's Under Pressure. I was like, motherfucker, that's the exact same fucking riff. Of course he did. Yeah, that, that burned me that he was like, nah, we just got this one little beat. He's like, motherfucker, no, that's Queen and David Bowie's Under Pressure. I don't give a fuck <laughs> what you say. Under Pressure. Yeah, that's a classic song, but yeah, it is, I like yeah. Queen. Oh, well, yeah, I would like to mention Queen is is a, definitely a band that is a big influence. Well, no, yeah, just I love Queen. Queen of yeah. Fame. We haven't uh, really discussed Queen, and it's not too surprising, really, considering all the bands out there. Yeah, Freddie Freddie Mercury was up there as far as the top vocalist. I mean, oh the only man, one, the only one I could compare to would be Steve Perry. Yeah, dude. Like, I mean, those are the only two vocalists. He can fucking that... play all. He's yeah. This is why I love Aerosmith. Um, yeah. Just his voice and just like their obviously blues roots is just uh-huh. some of this on like, like top Aerosmith. Ah, oh, Aerosmith, man. Like Sweet Emotion. Dude. On. Sweet Emotion. Dude. Back in the saddle. That bass line. That's yeah. Just, he's just Before got they just... had their fall from grace. Yeah. But then they recovered in the 80s. They recovered in the 80s, they're, and they're still kicking it. The guy still looks fucking ridiculous for, like, late 60s. He's still doing, <laughs> still doing his yeah. back clips, and he, they're, they're great. They and are. Yeah, his vocals are just ridiculous, dude. Yeah. Absolutely ridiculous. But, yeah, Freddie, 
like the epitome. Freddy of, was Freddy. I mean, really. did his thing, got the crowd in his fucking hand, just the voice and his whole his confidence. He was probably the epitome of a of right. a front man. I actually have two Queen uh, DVDs. Um, it's uh, when they did Montreal, which is before they brought in synthesizers and electronic drums and all that shit. Technology, and basically. Way, <laughs> and then the next one I've got is when they did Wembley right after... Uh, after he died for Live Aid. Yeah. It was right after they did Live Aid, they did a concert solely in Wembley. I've got incredible. Oh my god, are those just hmm. It's it's great to see the transition, but how they still have that presence on stage. Yeah, and so good live, like just faultless. Yeah. Absolutely faultless. I, I, I should have put them in my uh which I <laughs> could have seen. This is the thing when you start thinking and talking about stuff, you forget, you leave people yeah. out, and then you're like, oh. yeah. Like, I'm... damn, there's been so many good artists over the years. Yeah, I like, could no, I was going to say uh, Janice Joplin. Oh. Um, she had two incarnations, Big Brother and The Holding Company, and then she had her solo career. And to me, a lot of the artists back in the day, if there were competitions back then, like The Voice and shit like that. America's Got Talent, American Idol, Pop mm-hmm. Idol, shit like that. A lot of artists that were back in the day that were really popular would not win these competitions. And it's because those artists back then, it wasn't so much about their voice, but what they were singing about. Mm-hmm. Mm. Like Janis Joplin, um, me and Bobby McGee, it was basically about hitchhiking, traveling, you know, across the land and just singing tunes and having a good time. And some of the music back then was like that, was very peaceful, um, love each other. And then you had bands that were, like, very anti-establishment, like Pink Floyd. Mm-hmm. Mm. And, like I said, uh, The Wall, even though I think I was, like, nine years old when that came out, that really impacted me as far as, you know, what is going on out there and just what is real and what is not. Yeah. I agree. I think, like back then, like music was uh, had much more reach than television or anything else. So that's why it was so like popular and big back then. I think it kind of, I'd like to say, it kind of goes without saying, but I don't know. I see like a lot of people where I work at the moment, and a lot of them are really young, right? And they're like, they have no clue. Yeah, it's all like TV related stuff, and I, I doubt most of them know what a vinyl is, let alone a cassette. Right. Um, so and well, this... when I was growing up, <laughs> yeah. you had two choices. Uh, sorry, three choices. You had reel to reel, eight track, or yep. vinyl. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, for me, what I always preferred back then was the reel to reel, just because it had four track integrated into the reel. 
But unlike an eight-track tape, you didn't have that clicking from sector to sector, if you will. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, even to this day, I still look for a a decently priced reel-to-reel player. I thanks to the hipsters, although I hate fucking hipsters, um, they've brought in the um, vinyl industry back into play. So, you know, I'm even now looking at buying a turntable as long as it, but the thing over here, when you're buying a turntable, it'll either say that it needs a needle or it'll say a stylus. And I don't know. Well, I'm sure Adam has a turntable. I would hope, um, (laughs) not every turntable needs just a needle in some turntables you have to replace the entire stylus that includes the needle and i remember back in the day in the 70s 80s where my mom had the techniques where you couldn't just replace the needle you had to replace the entire stylus and that was like a hundred bucks quid. Just... yeah they're expensive dude yeah they're expensive yeah. but they're so worth it Totally. Yeah, the, I have a one of my other favorite albums of all time. I don't know if you guys, if you like the band, but jo, um, you too, Joshua Tree. I've got. Oh, I love that album, dude. I've got it on CD and I had it on cassette. But if I, I used to fucking just sit in my room in the dark, just light a candle, put on Joshua Tree on vinyl. That album on vinyl sounds a million times better than on CD or cassette. Oh, I can imagine. It's weird. I don't know what it is about vinyl. You're absolutely... This is certain albums that just... they. Well, I don't know. What most audiophiles equated to is the warmth and depth of the vinyl versus the digital of CDs and cassettes. Mm-hmm. Because back when they were doing vinyl, that was literally a transition of the master recording in the studio to the vinyl platter. Exactly. Um, so you had a direct recording from Put the onto master. vinyl. Yeah, it sounded more natural. Right. Where people aren't really, I guess, getting it as far as like digital media, CDs, MP3s, and things like that, is that when CDs came out, they were straight digital, zeros and ones, binary. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't realize that when you're dealing with zeros and ones, most media players or CD players even back then would drop the frequencies that weren't really there. Whereas true audiophiles want those frequencies because it adds dimension to your music. Mm. I'll, um... Let's see, a good 5.1 surround sound that I've listened to. I'll use Taylor Swift's 1989. If you get that through iTunes, I don't know if you guys use iTunes or not, but if you get that through iTunes, it has a version that is specifically remastered for iTunes, and it gives you the full 5.1 surround environment. Hmm. So, yeah, it's... I try to pay attention to iTunes because I do use an iPhone 
admittedly. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm an ice sheep, but I give kudos to Apple and OSX as far as their interface and ease of use. I totally give it to Apple. If I could get stably running OSX on my current rig, I would. Mm. Um, but there's tracks that are actually remastered for iTunes. And when you play them back through like an Apple TV or somehow through your surround sound receiver, that adds a lot to that music. Um, I don't know if you guys are old enough to remember Quadraphonic, but back in the 70s, they had what was Quadraphonic, which was where they tried to have the speakers going to four different areas. Yeah, it's like 4.0 surround sound, really, isn't it? Four channels. Basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they kind of messed around with that with greater or lesser to extent. Um, probably the two biggest ones that I can think of right offhand would be the Who's Tommy and the Who's Quadrophenic. <laughs> Shock. <laughs> Those two made some of the best use of the Quadrophenic sound. Mm-hmm. Now, as you guys can see, I'm on a headset, and the headset I use is a 7.1 surround. Nice. Yeah. I did Obviously, it's uh, digitally converted at the source. <laughs> yeah, but still nice. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Like I've said, I compliment you on your Sennheisers. <laughs> I love. Oh, dude, I love Sennheisers. I had a, uh, and I think we may have talked about it last time that I had a uh, set of PC three 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 D gaming headsets, and oh my god, that was like, if I could, if I could get a hand hands-on for the price that I got those for. I managed to score them for under $70. If I could score them for even $120, I would jump on those fuckers. Sennheiser, when it comes to audio, they've been around what, fuck, since the 60s or 70s, as far as musicians and microphones and headsets. Uh, They've been one of the biggest leading and innovative companies out there. Mm. You're more well, musically sounded than I am when it comes to like the technology side of it. So, yeah, come you on. You don't really use gaming yeah. headsets, so Dash, do you? Not really. Yeah, so, so what is your preference as far as like headphones, headsets, uh, sound, things like that? Uh, headsets, I don't really, for my, you know what, for my recording, just for my... Uh, for my Roland, I've just got a, a pair of head. I've used these for about fucking eight years, but they're really good. They literally they're only a two channel, but they're really they're just they've got a real warm sound to them. They're just a they're a Sony MDR um, headphone, and they're just they just create. I don't know. My Roland is such a the piano sound, and it's so clean and obviously natural. Right. These headphones, they're the only headphones that I've used that can replicate. If I record my piano sound directly into um, a device that I use, these headphones are the only thing that will give me the closest rep- representation to that sound coming through. They're 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 lovely. I've had them for years. They're the only. What thing other I'll brands use. have you tried? Um, I've, I used to have a set of Pioneer. 
Um, nothing, nothing really between Pioneer and Sony. That's it. In terms right. of music headsets, that's it. Gaming wise, um, I can't remember what I'm using at the moment. So <laughs> what I'm using for this is just a, it's a headset for my PS4. It's just a really shitty. They're from Triniton, but they're like thirty quid. But they they work really well. To be oh, fair, nice. for games, yeah, it does the job. Does the job. But my Sony, my Sony pair, are, yeah, they're great that I use for my recording because my Roland, uh, my Roland Juno right. synthesizer hasn't got any, hasn't got any speakers uh, mm. built. Have into you it. ever uh, given a test drive to the Bose? No, don't. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have this term over there like we do here, but it's uh, no highs, no lows, must be bows. Oh, God. I get the expression. No, I've never tried them. Yeah. Now, I will say I went into a Bose store and I tried out their computer speakers, their multimedia ones that are actually powered inside your computer. Those were okay, but really, um, I prefer my headset, as you can see, I'm wearing the headset. I prefer a good, clean sound. Yeah. And I like my treble and bass. Although I lean to like my treble a little bit higher, I like my bass up there as well. Mm. <laughs> What's that? I heard her say all about the bear. I can hear Stace. What about the bass? <laughs> I am the bass. <laughs> right. So like through y'all's teenage years, which it sounds like uh, both of y'all really started, well, Adam sounds like he started about like I did from the age of birth. Uh, y'all really started to get influenced in your teens about music. And what about it? called you was it the social impact was it the message that they were singing what was it that brought y'all to the types of music that you like i don't know for me um i never really had any interest in being uh in a band i was in a band for a little bit for about five years uh which i tried which didn't really go anywhere i never really really had much interest in that i always wanted to compose like my dream job would be john williams right compose that's i would love to do that the only thing that prohibits me from doing that is my um my knowledge of theory and notation and you know people like john williams can they can orchestrate and conduct a 60 piece right. orchestra and they could pick up any instrument and they have to write for each individual instrument. And the guy is a genius. He can play everything and he writes for everything. I can't do that. You know, really? I, have, have you tried any software that converts from one instrument to another to allow you to, to at least try to transcribe? I could transcribe. I like literally I could, um, I could sit down and I could, I could do my own version of like the original, superman movie i could i could i could compose that myself and i could do a pretty much accurate representation of that score but in terms of me coming up with a score myself and like noting that and doing my own notation and writing for individual instruments i can't do that i can hear something and i can play it and i've got an idea in my head 
and I could compose something, but I wouldn't be able to, if someone put a piece of music in front of me, I, you know, I would struggle. So that has always helped right. me back from, but we, from composing. But, but, but we have a plan in motion to kind of work towards this, don't we? So We have, we have a plan. Yes. There's loads of stuff I want to do. I want to release a solo album at some point in the next six months, which I've been nice. writing fucking, I've been writing this thing for like six years and I've got like 10 tracks. I've got people that own studios. I could go in and record it. It's just going to be piano. Um, some very subtle, it's going to be vocals on a few tracks for myself. I can right. play guitar and a bit of drums. So I'm going to pretty much do the whole album. So you're going to be pretty much like Beck. That's it, man. I'm just gonna <laughs> I'm gonna release something purely just for myself to say that I've got an album with these songs that I've had in my head for years. I've also go. got a, a comedy kind of Lowly Island esque side project which I've been faffing about with for years as well, which I've never really gone into the studio and recorded. I've got some songs right. which is very kind of tenacious D and Lonely Island esque. There's some funny shit. Nash knows about that. Um, right which I'd like to record. And then there's, you know, composing stuff for this podcast. And I keep doing things recently where I want to put up a YouTube channel. And me and Nasha talked about this for ages where I'll sit here and I'll put on something like an episode of Battlestar Galactica or a scene from Star Wars. And I'll sit All here right. and I'll mute the score and I'll mute everything. And I will write my own piece of music to that. Nice. Scene and um, give it a completely different feel. Not bad. And I'd like people to be able to listen to, like, me put a video clip up or something and put my own spin on that 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 particular scene or that piece of music and do my own version and see how it... Because mm. I guarantee it would completely change the feel of... You know, oh, that. well, that's the thing about music scores is, you know, the music of a movie can totally transform how the movie is i'm not sure if you gentlemen have uh watched kevin smith's red state but if you notice through that's the movie a good, yeah good film the music's all over the place in that film there's there's no music there's no soundtrack the only places that there's music is when they're in the church singing their hymns otherwise the throughout the movie there's no soundtrack and you're probably thinking of cop out possibly i'm not no, thinking that's red, red state, state. Yeah, Red State, if you go back and watch it, the only time there's music is when they're in the chick's trailer at the very beginning before they get jacked. And then once they get into the church. But once the action starts... No music. No music. See, I need to really go back and watch that because that really interests me, like taking... taking and I actually gave Kevin Smith a shout-out for that because, to me, real-life doesn't have a soundtrack mm. you don't if you have to go into action there ain't no music blaring over your fucking shoulder yeah. you're into action fucking tearing ass if you have to or whatever it is and i gave him a shout out to that and my specific hashtag was no soundtrack to real life absolutely yeah no i completely agree i um so I uh, that, that makes me like a bigger question. It's slightly off topic, but Adam, how far have you got with um, Buffy so far? Um, I am season six or seven episodes into season five. Okay, cool. 
because you got Getting like a, you got an episode coming up like where there's like no soundtrack again and it works like so it's so realistic it's somewhat disturbing in a right. way are you doing your own like soundtrack to the show no 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 it's just um in the in the show Buffy the Vampire Slayer by Joss Whedon there's there's like uh, there's probably more but there's at least two episodes that I know of where they use no soundtrack whatsoever and ah. he, he played around with it in season four. It was an episode called Hush, which Adam recently watched. Um, and it worked well. And then in season five, there's like um, something happens where it's quite, it's really dramatic. And he took the approach of not using no soundtrack whatsoever. So it was right. literally just like, obviously, voice as they filmed it. That was it to make it come across as real as possible. And it did fucking work as well because you kind of felt it, and you know because and it's it's amazing how you're so used to like the TV shows having a background soundtrack or something like when there's action scenes, it's action music. When it's sad, yeah, you got depressing music in the back, whatever. But in right. this, it was like a, it was a shock episode, bang, and no music whatsoever, and that had more of a powerful impact than if they'd put music into the episode. Oh, it so, does. In some situations, yeah, no music really can just drive home how serious that situation really mm. is. Like, oh my God, this shit's fucking going down and what yeah. the fuck do I do? <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> I mean, like we've discussed on my uh, previous podcast about the zombies, you know... There ain't no soundtrack there, homie. You gotta be able to just like run and gun it or deal with it however the fuck you can, but you're not gonna have fucking Ride of the Valkyries playing over your shoulder as you're fucking doing <laughs> yeah. business. Exactly. <laughs> One of the most memorable scenes from uh, Apocalypse Now. Yeah. <laughs> Another good Another film, film, by the way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, I think um, I think we got like a, a good solid episode there for sure. I How is I, I have no yeah. doubt that it's it's a topic that we can go to further. We can even look look at getting even more people involved in to ask more yeah, questions. Hopefully, like uh, Sean. Yeah, Sean, wherever he is. Um, you know, maybe get Nadine in, get other people in. I do know people, dude. You're in high demand. I know people want a podcast with you. So, <laughs> um, it's just, only with that case. I, I, dude, over here on the side of the pond, that is the case. So, um, we just got to like work out a schedule of like what it is. Topic, yeah. Do we want to talk about music again? I know we talked about discussing World the World War Two thing. Yeah, I'd like I'm to still kind of, yeah, I definitely want to do that. And so, uh, I'll put out it right now and I'll text everybody later. Anybody who wants to be involved in that, give me a shout and we'll try and sort something out. If yeah, not, um, we'll, we'll do another. There's, I think there's definitely enough material, material to do another music one because, oh, yeah, we can between now we and, just touched little bases, of yeah, shit. we scratched the surface. So, yeah. We can get people to like um, give us some like questions to ask and stuff, and and the more time we can think about things, the more we can give some like maybe we can go back and correct some of the answers we gave on 
Earlier on, like Mariah Carey and stuff. Oh, uh, fuck Mariah Carey. <laughs> <laughs> but what I was thinking is, like, maybe, you know, in addition to taking people's questions, maybe review an album. You know, we all, you know, take an album, yeah. listen to it, and then give our feedback about what we took away from that. Definitely. No, yeah, I like that. That's a damn good idea. What do you think, Adam? Absolutely. I'm on board with this plan. All yeah. right, cool. Okay, you know, and that way, you know, we could all vote on it or whatever, or whoever throws the first suggestion out. It's like, okay, I'll give this a shot, and we'll see, you know, what we took from it. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. All right, hundred and fifty percent. Well, gentlemen, it has it, been a pleasure. And yeah, man, I'm glad we got to do this. We've been talking about this music episode for ages. It's been good fun. Oh, no shit, man. I've been glad to uh, be able to talk music, man. It's one of my uh, passions, aside from, of course, being on the bike. Um, so, yeah, I look forward to doing uh, another one of these, and I definitely look forward to the World War II podcast. Yeah, man. Oh, I'm going to go download me that. some Space Invaders. Yeah. Before you <laughs> leave, dude. I'm, I'm going to go have me another pint or two. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Cool. Well, it is that time of day. So before you, you leave, dude, let's uh, uh, join us with the traditional sign-out. You know how we sign out, right? Who? Me? No. The, the, the <laughs> Nashcast podcast. We all normally like give a whole thing of like how we sign out, like where we can be found on Twitter, and we always finish it with saying oh, "Good journey." Okay. So, well, this is Chase Walton, and I can be found at Twitter at Destado and the number one. And hey, if you want to, uh, you know, follow me, please do. If you are on Steam Games, same thing, Destado number one, and you know, we'll get some game on. Peace out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, dude. <laughs> oh, it's my pleasure, most gentlemen. Take care, dude. Oh, uh, y'all take care, and thank you for the most wonderful experience. Boom. We salute you. Um, ciao. <laughs> Adam, sir. Yes, sir. Where can you be found? I can be found at, at King Hodio. That is it. <laughs> oh, yeah, and you can find the podcast at Nashcast Network on Twitter, or you can email us with any bitches or complaints or theories or questions. If you've got any musical questions about Chase, Adam, the musical experts, what do they think? What do they feel? How do they feel? When and how and when they listen to certain kinds of music? You can email at nashcastpod at gmail.com. Oh. I feel like we should put the music back in there again. Nice. Because yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a nice background thing. We're also <laughs> available on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a slow um, growing thing on Facebook because... The administrators, hardly any of us use it, unfortunately, but we're looking at getting it up and going again to get it completely active. Right, I tell you what, uh, good journey to you. Good journey to you, sir. Good journey, sir. Bye. <laughs>
<laughs> Have you ended the, the episode? No, still going. <laughs> <laughs> no, on behalf of episode 63 of Nashcast, thank you, uh, Chase Walton, for visiting us on this glorious day to talk about music. And it was a nice bit of a blast from the past to talk about some of the stuff. Some of the stuff that you mentioned, I was like, oh my God, I've forgotten about that. It was good. It was good to. It was good. Have this chat yeah. And I know there's another one to be had. Yeah. So on behalf of Sean, on this episode of Nashcast and myself, good journey. Good journey. Whoa!